Welcome back, everybody. We got a brand new episode for you guys today. We got Paul and Christoph here, as usual, for the Hall of Games and Hypertrophy podcast. Uh, we have our videos on today, so we'll see if uh, we can utilize that. Uh, we're all new to this, so we'll see if we can post it with a video as well. Um, we might post it just to our YouTube, uh, but we'll see what the services allow. Hopefully, we can post it elsewhere as well. Giving you guys all the kind of content you want, because I know how much you want to just stare into our eyes as we talk to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is way more intimate, way more intimate, way more personal. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> if you don't watch the video, you're not going to understand what just happened. But Paul, I just stared straight into the camera with my blue eyes and blonde hair. Um, so today we were going to be. So this is what we're supposed to talk about last week. We're going to talk about um, basically back movements and how to how to grow a bigger back, how to focus on different heads of the muscles within your back. Um, but we ended up just kind of shooting the shit last week. So this week, we're going to actually talk about it. Um, we're going to kind of... This week's clickbait is going to be how to build back boobs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you want to have a second set of boobs in the back. Exactly. You want That's a back big enough for that. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to kind of go through a series of uh, sessions over the you know, coming weeks where... Uh, each week is a different muscle group because uh, our hypertrophy episode got received pretty well. So I figured or we figured that we could do, uh, you know, a an episode on each general muscle group. Um, we might could combine arms with delts or something like that just because um, they're, they're all kind of small muscle groups. So we might tackle all the small muscle groups uh, in one episode and then do like, you know, back and then maybe like a ham day or maybe like a glute day or quad day we don't know yet we'll figure it out but back day alone is definitely a really good option for us here uh for this session because you talk to most bodybuilders and a lot of them will agree that shows are one from the back so i think it's a good topic to really understand and you know good muscle group to really understand especially mind muscle connection and understanding the biomechanics and everything and anatomy and uh, the physics behind it, because with back, uh, it's n it, chest is the opposite of back. Literally, your chest is essentially kind of like your lats for the front, um, you know, it, in, except it's kind of in the opposite direction. So you're pushing with your chest, but you're pulling with your back. Um, so a lot of people call your pecs the lats of your of your chest. Essentially, they're calling it the lats of the front, but your lats uh, fight gravity. Essentially, you're pulling gravity away from the earth where typically chest, you're pushing gravity towards it. You know, you're doing push-ups, you're kind of pushing something along earth. Um, you know, you're pushing like, let's say a car, for instance, like that's what your chest does essentially, right? But um, your back is going to be pulling stuff away from it. So you're going to be fighting gravity with all these movements. So I think understanding physics and how it targets the different muscles in your back, uh, especially biomechanically, uh, is very important. Obviously, you don't want to have everything anything too complex. Uh, you know, I've talked about Ben Yanes on here, the Instagram profile. Uh, much respect to him, but a lot of his movements are just like so biomechanically focused. They're just overly complex. And it's like, yeah, hypothetically, this should hit the muscle perfectly. But at the same time, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be hitting it perfectly. This doesn't necessarily mean it works for everybody, right? So I think that uh, understanding what these movements entail and how they hit they're supposed to hit the back and whether or not it works for you 
are things that you need to understand going into your back day. So that's what we're going to be talking about here today. And you said that chest, your your pecs are just the lats of your back. That's why back is just the boobs of the of the front, of the back. Yeah, that's flip it. <laughs> and I think another thing that is really kind of a good place to start too is how undervalued I guess back is for anyone outside of the bodybuilding world. Because if you stand and flex, what you 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 can't see your back unless you have like a camera mirror set up where it's bouncing off and you can look at yourself. Other than that, you literally don't see your back. So it's one yeah. of the tougher ones to stay disciplined for because unless you're taking progress pictures, you're not able to like in the moment see like, for example, for biceps, you can do a bicep uh, curl or like a flex in the mirror and you can see exactly how it looks. And that's not really the case without a camera or a, a phone for your back. So that's why I think it's one of the more difficult ones to stay disciplined for, again, outside of the bodybuilding world, because unless you need to utilize your back strength for like, obviously people in, you know, construction or, you know, anything that requires you to be lifting a ton of weight uh, from the ground, obviously you need a, you know, very big back, but outside of that, it's very difficult to stay on top of it. And uh, from the lifestyle lifestyle fitness group of people we just say keep pushing through it. <laughs> it there are girls who love having a guy with a great back and if you're trying to get girls that's kind of a, a thing you need to have that and legs so <laughs> yeah it's a good point you make actually that you can't see your back it's much like your glutes and your hams you can kind of get an idea of what they look like um but you never really know what they're going to actually look like you can even it's even hard to like understand it if you take photos or videos because that's not what if you're doing for the photo or video is not how you naturally look. Um, so well, I think it's it's even more different than glutes and hams because glutes and hams, you can at least feel like you could put your hands there and be like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's true. Like that. But back, I mean, I can't reach the middle of my upper back. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't reach a lot of my back either. So I completely understand that. But I think like really the only way for me to understand where my back is is if someone like took a random photo of me or took a random video that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but also back is interesting too, because, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to hit back. There's so many different movements you could possibly do. And there's so many like, oh, this works, this doesn't work. You know, there's so many different ideas these people have for how you should be hitting back. But, um, when you're getting video of back, your back, at least when you're hitting it, what's cool about it is that, um, you're most likely, even if you're in a machine or something like that it's really, really good for videos. And I just mean that by like your, your back is very open to air and space for people to get videos. So, uh, for instance, a couple of weeks ago or last back day, actually I was hitting, um, I was hit, hitting my, uh, I'm always for their cable pullovers, single arm cable pullovers. There it is. Um, and getting the video of it was very easy because my back was facing away from the cable machine into open space. And, the way the movement was going, it's not like I'm getting close. The the movement's getting close to the cameraman. Like he could stay just behind me and never worry about getting hit by the weight or anything like that. So I think that's cool about back uh, is that you don't have to worry about like where you are as long as you're behind the person. You can get a good photo or video. Um, but back is like I said, also one in shows. I mean, every single male division really takes back into account uh, men's physique. Literally half of the judging is on your back. There's front pose and back pose. That's it. So 
back is very important, uh, traps included. Uh, whether or not you count traps as back or shoulders is up to you. Uh, I think we'll cover traps on another another episode. But for me, <clears throat> the way I consider traps is your middle traps are part of your back because they kind of sit between your scapula and then uh, which is your shoulder blades. But then there's also the top of your traps, which kind of sits on your shoulders, essentially connects your, your lats and your delts to your, to your neck. I consider that your shoulders. So I, I consider it two different body parts, essentially. Um, so that's what men's physique judges a lot of when you're doing the back pose is going to be your delts, your traps and your back, uh, and the way you're flexing it as well, uh, is going to play a huge role because for me, I have a lot more thickness than I do width which I need to work on. And I'm going to start going to a different gym to start working on more width because the gym I go to now just doesn't have the best options for width, which we're going to be talking about what movements to build width, what movements to build thickness. Uh, Cause that's really what it comes down to is, uh, you know, you listen to any Arnold's back day talks or anything like that. you talk about how there's thickness and there's width and you got to have both. Um, so, you know, building that up, you know, having both of those attributes is going to be Im imperative to winning shows uh, obviously you can have a really good front and like, uh, good back and win, uh, as long as your front is absolutely fucking dialed to the fucking gills. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're lean as shit and you also have a perfect, perfect front, uh, then you might get a chance of winning. But if you don't have a dialed in back, then you're going to have a much harder chance of winning. Um, if you're going to be competing in men's physique, which I think, so a lot of our listeners, I believe are on kind of the beginner intermediate side, uh, which a lot of you most likely haven't competed yet if you plan on competing. So with that being said, uh, men's physique is most likely going to be your stepping stone to get started in, in bodybuilding. Um, not necessarily that's where you want to stay, but that's, that's probably where you're going to start. Go ahead. You're no. laughing. <laughs> no, go, go right into men's open. Do not, <laughs> do not do anything else. Go right into the big division. <laughs> yeah. Skip right on through, skip right on through and go straight to super heavyweight. Just go straight to 300 pounds. Just skip all the fat build and just build straight muscle only. That's, compete, that's the key to compete in men's open when you're still 160. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing with men's open. If you don't know, if you're kind of new to the gym or kind of new to bodybuilding, when you, if you think so, when I start with my coach, this is this stuff I want to mention because this is the 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 more I'm in the gym and the the more experience I get, the more I realize it's true. When I started, I wanted to be men's open super heavyweight. I want to be fucking massive, like that was my goal, and I would still love to be massive. But knowing what I know now, genetically speaking, I am fucking not built for that shit. And if you're built for men's open, even like just like pro level. You're going to fucking put on muscle like crazy. You know, there's there's dudes that are like 19, 20 years old that are twice my size. And that's just because they're genetically built to put on muscle. Uh, you know, like Dorian Yates, at fucking 18 or 19 years old, was fucking massive. Like natural too, apparently. He said he was natural at 18, 19. He's very open about his steroid use. So I believe him when he says he was natural at that point because why would he lie about being taking it at 18 but then not lie about anyways i think that he was natural at 18 19 like he said and dude fucking looked insane so genetically speaking if you're going to be competing in men's open you will know you'll put on muscle like a motherfucker uh without even meaning to so i think that's like the the tall the telltale sign and i don't mean like oh like i'm responding pretty well i'm putting on some muscle like you're you're in the gym two three years and you're still fucking packing that shit on and that's when you'll know. Uh, 
you know, you're you're getting enormous without even really trying. There's a dude at the gym right now. He's 22 years old. Dude's enormous. He's built for men's open, but he get fucking squashed in probably classic or men's physique because he doesn't have the structure for it. So everybody's got to work with their genetics. Um, and when it comes to back, uh, your back is going to respond in very, very different ways. Uh, you're going to watch, if you watch like lifestyle guys, uh, the way they work back is entirely different from the way that bodybuilders work back. Uh, it's, it's incredibly different. Uh, there's a lot of like sled pushing, a lot of kettlebell shit, stuff like that is what you're going to see for lifestyle, which, uh, will definitely get you lean and get you looking good. If you just want a beach body, you can absolutely do stuff like that. You know, resistance band shit, body weight stuff, kettlebells, all of that will get you to a place where you're going to have six pack abs. You're going to look pretty lean. You're going to have some muscle tone. You're going to have some, you know, muscle size, even, um, a good example of that is, um, Garrett from Siesta Key. What is his last name? Let me look up his last name. He's a really good example of um, Garrett Miller. So Garrett Miller is a good example of uh, a lifestyle lifter in a sense. If you follow his content, um, I he's kind of the reason I started in the gym in the first place is because of that show, Siesta Key. But he's a good example of uh, what you can achieve naturally lifestyle-wise if you just focused on key movements, body weight movements, pushing sleds for legs, stuff like that. Um, a lot of like, um, you know, interval training, interval training is huge for stuff like that. Um, you can build a pretty good physique, but we're talking from the bodybuilding perspective, which, um, you know, is it, there's so many facets to back. Uh, it's going to be a pretty in-depth conversation today, but I mean, I know I'm kind of rambling right now. I just wanted to set the stage and set the expectations for this episode. Uh, so that way, you know, what's going to be coming up. Nice play on words, set the stage as we just yeah. finished a little bodybuilding uh, talk. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's that's a good pun. We're going to set the yeah. stage for a bodybuilding competition talk. <laughs> get that spray tan on and get ready to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um. You talk to anybody who works at a hotel that uh, that's near a bodybuilding competition, they'll say that the worst conventions are bodybuilding conventions. Yeah, because you got to wash the sheets like yep. three times just to get the spray tan off. I was, I was surprised by that. I was reading a, or I was actually listening to a YouTube video of a guy reading out um, one of those like R four slash X ask or whatever Reddit posts. So it was like, uh, it was like a question. It said, um, hotel workers, what's the worst convention near you? Like, what's the worst one that you guys encounter? And like the top, like three answers were all bodybuilding. And I'm like, <laughs> damn, I was expecting, I was expecting like comic con or like, or like anime stuff. Like just because like, they don't really a lot of them don't really wear deodorant and shit like that. And it's like a problem. So I'm like, okay, maybe that, or like, maybe like, uh, some like older people stuff. Like if there's like a yarn or convention or some shit like that, or like Tupperware. You convention. say yarn? Yeah. There's conventions for everything. You name there's it. There's a convention. No way for there's it. a yarn convention. 100% Google it. There's a, it's like rule 33 or whatever it is. There's a convention for everything. Synthetic yarn and fiber association conference. The 20th that. of April and 21st of April. That's in Charlotte. <laughs> you better go I to told that. You. I told you. There's a convention for everything. You better go to that. <laughs> uh, it's called Fiberfest. There's one called Fiberfest. Carolina Fiberfest. I told you. It's knitting, crocheting, weaving, felting, all different kinds of like yarn stuff. So like that's, that's what I imagine. And yeah. speaking about fibers, the fibers in your back need to be worked. Muscle fibers. Striations. Alien gains. There's our segue. <laughs> yeah, so otherwise, it was just otherwise we'll talk about yarn for an hour. 
Yeah, yeah, let's not get into that. But yeah, it was just surprising to me that. But it's also not surprising because spray tan is such a staple within bodybuilding, which is also interesting to me because it's like you're. It's a weird topic because we'll get into back in a second. I just want to mention this. So we're talking like we're talking about bodybuilding, and it's like okay, what's the ideal physique for men or women or whatever it is? What's what's the best we can get our bodies to? Right, that's the idea behind bodybuilding. Is let me show you. I put in the effort with food training to get to this point. Let me show you what I'm offering. I think I have a better physique than the other people here. That's what bodybuilding is. And through my posing uh, and through my stage presence and through what I've done in the past, the journey to get here, you know, whether or not you took drugs or not, uh, this is this is what I'm presenting as my physique. Then they're like, you know what? We're going to just douse everyone in fake spray tan. I'm just like, why not just present us the way we're supposed to be, you know? So like, the, the one thing that I'll push back on that is that uh, I know for a fact when I look at my quads, I know when I flex, I can see a little bit of definition, like in terms of like the teardrop and whatnot. But if that, well, the, the spray tan is just like overemphasizing your, your ridge lines. That's what it does. So it helps to provide extra definition on stage. Yeah, I mean, if it's done thighs, well. Because my thighs are white as all hell. Like, they've never seen the sun. So that's yeah. why they're, it's very difficult to see the lines of, like, obviously on myself. And I, I you know, I overanalyze myself, so I'm able to see them. But if yeah. other people want to see them, there has to be some kind of color to provide that little bit of definition. Which, yeah, okay, I can understand that. Uh, but there's also times where the spray tan isn't very good, especially like regional shows. Like sometimes the spray tan is not the best. It's very orangey. Um, but my other th argument too, is that if that's true, if like, let's just say, you know, every single person needs to be tanned for the show. Why not just get the tanning done on your own? Maybe that's part, that should be part of the process is coming in tan, but like a natural tan. Like I would go to like a tanning bed or something and like start getting tan within like 16 weeks or something, go for like four months, get tan, use the sun or whatever. And that's part of the show is that like, not, not it's judged, but your tan overall needs to look good, you know? Cause well, like there's been issues. Like I think, um, who was it? Uh, oh, it was Hunter Labrada had an issue where he was guest posing and they spray tanned him and he was bleeding the spray tan, which is like, it was like his sweat was pulling it off him. So it didn't look good. And it's like, this is what I'm talking about. Like the spray tan can kind of sometimes ruin the look. Not that that's always the case, but um, I just think that it's just interesting aspect of bodybuilding is that spray tan is involved when spray tan isn't even like, because like drugs aren't natural, but like spray tan isn't even like your actual skin color. Like you're fucking up your whole skin color and it's only temporary. Well, you know? the thing is with, with a real tan, it's literally like, cooking a chicken skin like you you are doing damage excuse me to your skin whereas mm -hmm. a spray tan is essentially lathering yourself in like an oil and yeah. it's intended to come off so obviously you know in the bodybuilding world we're not exactly super focused on longevity i mean <laughs> we yeah. like there are ways to to do it but we're not that's not our primary focus so i can understand why the mindset of not caring about longevity and just going for the real tan would be worth it. But I think that's one side of things that people are kind of drawing the line and saying, all right, no, we're gonna, we're gonna focus on 
just natural and then we'll spray this on for one two days get it off done yeah that's fair i don't know i think just think it's an interesting topic because there's there's good and bad to it you know um i just think if it's done well it looks great but there's just times where it's like if it's not done well it's like why even bother you know like that hunter labrata situation it's like it wasn't his fault that that happened you know so i didn't really and he was guest posing anyways it's not like for a show so I was just like, it just sucks for him because it made him look bad. Even though we all know he doesn't look bad. He was guest posing. Like he's clearly like a you know, an expert in his craft. But uh it just it didn't it didn't look well. But it is what it is. Uh, it's just an interesting topic to talk about and you'll you'll hear different opinions on it. Um and anybody who's outside of bodybuilding will say that they don't like how uh, bodybuilders get spray tans done. Like my wife is like, why do they look so orange? Cause like they'll spray tan their whole body, but then like pretty much leave their face. And so I'm that's like, the thing. Yeah. Nothing's yeah, worse and, than a pasty white dude who doesn't get yeah. anything done to his face. And yeah, it's just easy to see. Right. And that's like, that's another thing to mention too, is like, I showed my wife, you know, photos of bodybuilding, stuff like that. I'm like, this is what I want to look like, blah, blah, blah. This is C-bomb. He just won, whatever. And she like would point out the tan. She'd be like, why does his face look so white, but the rest of his body looks orange? I'm like, well, that's just a spray tan. That's just part of it. Like you have to get spray tan. Even, even if you have a very, very dark complexion, they still add a little bit of spray tan wherever they need it. But it ends up working in my favor and it's going to end up working in your favor because the spray tan also hide your tattoos a bit where so uh something to mention is tattoos in the past have been very frowned upon within bodybuilding it's changed over the years it's gotten much better over the years um but spray tans do hide your tattoos quite a bit it's not as obvious so for me having a sleeve um stop you having your tattoo coming up soon and that one on your forearm it's not that it's 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 not anymore that it hurts our physique but it doesn't help you know, if you don't have tattoos, you can see more definition, which is just the reality. My right arm looks better than my left arm, but that's because of the tattoos, right? So the spray tan is going to help with hiding that. Um, but I don't want to keep going on this topic. I, I We keep <laughs> going off on topics like we did last week, and that's why we didn't even talk about back at all. But yeah, so let's talk about back. Uh, where did you want to start, Stav? Any ideas where you wanted to start today? Anything in particular? You want to be uber careful about your lower back. I think that's, yes, uh, that's good. I think cover our safety bases. So when, uh -huh. especially when you're not hitting a back movement and you feel your lower back getting triggered, you've done, that's like the golden rule of the gym. Like if for some reason you're triggering your lower back on like a dumbbell curl, you're doing something wrong. So right. in terms of a safety like perspective, whenever you're hitting some kind of back movement, even if you are targeting your lower back, which is there are plenty of movements that do that, you want to be very careful because that particular area is what connects your, like if you think about your spine, it's what connects you to your lower half of your body. And quite literally one tap of a hammer on your lower spine will paralyze you from the waist down. So you want to be uber careful when it comes to doing any kind of movements and you feel your lower back being engaged just because the risk factor is so, so high. So um, an example that uh, I like to think of is like when you, uh, when you do like rows and you angle yourself in the position, like essentially to, to, to hit your lower back on a row, you have to be on like an uber decline, I feel lower like. Lower lat. Lower yeah. lat. I should clarify lower lat. Yeah. There you go. go um, yep. But when you are when you're activating that and you feel it 
I would focus, like I would do max time under tension for that, not volume, just because you want to feel the muscle, get it going, but not overwork it. Because if you do like a volume set for your lower lats, it's you, you just increase your risk factor. And again, we preface earlier how in the bodybuilding world, we're not always worried about longevity. This is mm-hmm. one of those areas there's no give there's no give for. Like you have to be very, very careful with that section. Um so I think just from everything, that's kind of where we need to start because if people yeah. go and do what we say for this episode and they engage their muscles and then they walk out not being able to stand up straight, I think that's a problem. So yeah. focus you have to really think about what you're working and make sure you don't mess with your body too too much. Right. Uh, your lower back, it's a good thing to preface everything by your lower back. If it's not a lower back movement specifically should not be activating. Um, even on leg days, you know, you're going to have that with leg days. Uh, legs is also a move. So your lower back is a, is a key component within your core. Uh, you know, everybody's going to argue what's in your core, what's not in your core. The reality is your entire body is part of your core, but really the biggest components to your core, believe it or not. Is going to be your legs, um, your hips, your lower back, and your abs. That's where a lot of your core comes from. It's the center of your gravity, center of your gravity, center of your mass. Uh, that's going to be contributing to your core. So having a strong core, um, a lot of that is built from your legs, especially when you're standing. But when you're sitting, it's going to come from your lower back and from your abs. So to not target your lower back, it, when you're new to the gym, uh, it's going to take some mind muscle connection. And I know that, you know, there's Ben Yanes is one of these people who says mind muscle connection isn't everything. Uh, mind muscle connection, in my opinion, is extremely important. Uh, you know, you don't have to have mind muscle connection to work a muscle, but uh, to target specific heads of muscles, to target the muscle a specific way, uh, a good mind muscle connection is going to be very important. And not targeting the lower back will take time. There's when you're new to the gym, you're gonna hit your lower back, and that's okay. But just make sure that you're not overloading your lower back, uh, and you're not injuring yourself in that sense. Because there's gonna be days where, like when I started out, there was days where, like the next day, my lower back was so incredibly sore because even though I was doing you know X back movement, my lower back was still activating. Now. I've been in the gym long enough to where I can target specific muscles in my back, which is a really cool feeling when you build that mind muscle connection, because I've told everybody before it's, it's a click. It clicks in your mind. Everything just, it just works. All of a sudden you're just like, wow, I can really feel it there now. So when you get to that point, it's really, really cool feeling. It's really fun to start to experiment with different movements at that point. But until then your lower back is going to activate a little bit. It's just something that your body is used to using. You know, you're hunched over like I am right now. I'm hunched over my seat. Uh, your lower back is activating in that sense. You know, you're driving. A lot of people activate their lower backs when they're driving. You know, it's it's just a muscle that we end up, you know, activating a lot. So not targeting it is very hard. And it's it's okay if you hit it a little bit. It's okay if you don't mean to hit it and you just feel it activate. Um, but part of lifting is a skill. Lifting is a skill that's going to take some time to learn. And one of those things is not activating lower back when you don't plan on activating it. So... Uh, there's going to be lower back movements that will help with building it when you get to the point where you don't target it at all on, on like you're targeting it, not hitting it when you're not targeting it. So, um, you know, whether that's lower back raises on, you know, uh, some sort of, I forget what they're called. The little, like, 
Yeah, they got the pads and you just go down. Yeah, yeah. I always forget. I want to call them Roman chairs, but they're not Roman chairs. No, they're not. Wait. Yeah. Are they? Wait, no. no. Am I, are they Roman chairs? Roman Roman chair is what you're doing for. Um, no, they're Roman chairs. Place. Captain's chairs is what I'm thinking of. So it's a Roman chair. A captain chair um, is for your lower abs. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, leg raises, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's a captain's chair. So Roman chair is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, so if you're doing like, you know, back raises in a Roman chair or um, you're doing, uh, you know, lower back like extensions with the machine, you know, the – the I, how did I get to romantic gym? I meant Roman chair. Ooh. Ooh. Romantic gym is like a dude just doing push-ups with this girl on his back. Um, well, well so, it's not Valentine's Day yet. God. Whoa, whoa. Too early for that. Um <laughs> So there's also the machine, you know, the gym I'll be going to for back soon will have that machine where it's a pad that kind of connects to your middle back and you kind of push it backwards. Um, it's essentially the same thing. Your lower back essentially just helps your glutes and your hams raising your, your upper torso up. It arches your back. It helps with keeping your back straight. So that's all the movement's really going to be doing is just hinging at your, your hips essentially. So like I said, you're, it's going to be okay if you if you target it a little bit, you feel it a little bit. It's okay. Just just be careful not to overload it because then that's when you hurt yourself and that's when you start damaging your spine. And you know that sounds kind of ridiculous because you're hitting a muscle, but you can actually genuinely injure your spine. And back is very very a lot of the movements are very very hard to learn. Deadlifts is one of the hardest movements to learn effectively. Uh, so. If you're not learning it effectively or you're not, you're doing too much weight, you're going to feel it. And back is definitely a muscle group. You need to start out light. You need to put your ego, leave your ego at the door and just really focus on squeezing whatever muscle you're working on, whether that's your terrace major minor, your rhomboids, your lats, your lower back, your traps, whatever it is. Um, you need to be focused on targeting that. So one thing I did want to add from what I said earlier is that I consider rhomboids, which is your lower traps. A lot of people call it your lower traps, your middle traps, uh, part of your back where your traps, your upper traps that connect your, your shoulders and your delts and all of that to your lats and your, um, your back, and your neck, that's your traps. So, well, I'll focus when I, when I put, um, the, uh, when I put the, this episode up on the blog, I will put a, uh, good diagram of the muscles in your back. So your rhomboids are going to be like kind of your lower lats, um, there's going to be rhomboid major minor, and then there's going to be a traps. Your traps connect directly to your neck and to your head. So I do want to connect, correct myself there. I also really, really fast, and we'll get back to back. I do want to correct myself. Um, Carterin um, is not technically a SARM. Um, let me look it up exactly what it is. I forget the term for it. Um, it's a PPAR delta receptor agonist. Um, so what that stands for, where is it? Why am I, um, why can't I find it? Uh, so SARM, okay. So it's a, it's a paroxysm proliferator activated receptor. Um, so it targets differently than an androgen receptor modulator does. So it, a SARM activates androgen, androgens specifically, where um, PPAR agonists target a completely different thing. Um, it's going to help with reducing triglyceride levels, uh, causes more insulin sensitivity, uh, sensitivity enhances glucose uh, metabolism, 
and enhance enhances fatty acid metabolism. So overall, you're going to get more metabolism out of your your system, and it's also going to help with your cholesterol. So uh, that's why I feel I have better energy on Carterin, and that's why it helps with cholesterol and overall losing weight because it targets all of those different fatty acids and everything for energy usage. I want to correct myself there. So getting back to back, um, we'll go into the different muscle movements and different muscles and how to target them, but your lower back is going to activate and it's okay. And that's part of what a lifting belt is for. Uh, it's going to be kind of keeping your core tight, uh, keeping your back from keeping your lower back from activating. Do not, do not, I will die on this hill to the day that I die or fight on this hill to the day that I die is do not use your belt, your entire fucking workout. For every muscle group. (laughs) Like, I hate that shit. And like, I can understand if you're trying to bring in your waist or whatever, but it's like, dude, that's not how you do it. You do vacuums, you do ab movements, like you lose weight. Do not wear your weight belt, your entire, like, that's like wearing your, your lifting belt for all of your workouts is like when your knee sleeves for all of your workouts. It doesn't fucking do anything. Like you're just making your core weaker. Be a man and just wear a corset. <laughs> yeah, just wear a corset. T- I fucking there's dude there's believe it or not there's so many men's physique competitors that wear fucking corsets when they lift. I believe it's it. Stupid. I believe it. So there's there's um I used to have one. There is this um kind of like wrap thing. I lost it. I don't know where it is. It's like seventy bucks or something, and it goes around your waist like your your torso, and it. It's not really a lifting belt. It just kind of you pull it in and you velcro it across, and it keeps your core tight. And the point is, is that when you're doing movements and you're expelling, like you're not expelling, like when you're using muscles within that group, it keeps it tight. So that way you're building the muscles within there, but you're keeping them tight. It keeps it all together. So that way your waist looks visually smaller when you wear it consistently at the gym. So the, I can kind of understand that it does kind of pre, kind of re, like stop your breathing a little bit, like it. Because it pulls in your belly, it's harder to breathe while wearing it. But there's dudes who wear legit fucking corsets. And I'm like, dude, you look like you have tits right now because your corset is pulling your fucking boobs, your pecs right over them. Like you look legit like you have tits. Uh, corsets are just not something that should be ever used in bodybuilding. That is – it's so unnatural to wear a corset. And it, it alters your organs. It alters your bone structure. It is not good for you. So do not ever wear a corset if you're a bodybuilder or just in general. And, I think uh, you- general what paul was saying too about wearing a belt to uh obviously not in every workout excuse me um not in every workout but um an an example of when you're not necessarily supposed to be engaging your back and you're just wearing the belt to provide extra support would be squatting because squatting you want to make sure to keep a very you know fixated position with your back where so that way you're getting just full activation from your quads and your hamstrings as you do that particular movement so that's why you'll see people in heavy sets using a belt for squats because that's essentially that's exactly what they're doing they're just supporting their lower back and making sure that when they put all that weight on themselves they're not actually, you know, crunching their back or anything. It's just going all with their legs. So that's just one example um, of when someone would wear a belt on a non-back day. Yeah. I think that the only time you should really be wearing a belt is if you are going to be putting a lot of strain on your core and you don't want to be putting that strain on your core. So like squats is a good example of that. Any sort of variation of deadlifts. Um We're also talking like not even every set of that, just do the heavier sets, the sets where like you can feel your core start and get tired. You know, like when I'm doing squats, I'll do like a plate and then I'll do two plates, 
maybe even two plates and a quarter without using a belt. I'll throw my knee sleeves probably second, you know, with the two plates, just because uh, I would rather prolong my knees than anything. Um, but like your belt should only really be taken into account or be used when you know you're going to be going extremely heavy on whatever you're using. Uh, you know, I was doing walking lunges. So my entire leg day on Thursday, I didn't use my belt at all. Um, I did uh, hack squat, linear hack squat, which is very interesting. I'm not sure if I'm the biggest fan of linear hack squat machines. My first time really using it. Um, then he used a dual leg press machine. Didn't use it then. Um, I also did it with walking lunges. Oh no, I did use my belt actually that day. So walking lunges, I got to, as far as good sets, I did a plate on each side. So 135 for 10, um, for each leg. And then I did, um, straight leg deadlifts for hams. And that's when I used my belt was when I got up to two plates and I only used my belt for that top set for two plates on each side, which, so 225, I think I got like eight or something out of it. I think I put another 10 on each side, but only got like four. I forget what it was exactly. I have to take a look, but uh, that's the only time I use my belt. So like you should really, even though the, the movement might target your core a bit more, only really use it when you need it. Uh, it's an accessory. It's something that's supposed to help with your lift. You know, you don't want it to hinder anything. If you're wearing it all the time, you're going to weaken your core. You're going to weaken your back. You're going to weaken your joints that rely on your core. Uh, much like knee sleeves, you should only be using knee sleeves or knee wraps when you absolutely need them. You should not be wearing them when you don't need them. Uh, because then you're just going to weaken your knee joints because uh, you're going to start relying on those knee sleeves. So uh, I think that something that I've always believed in is that you should only use these accessories when you absolutely need them. The more you use them, the more you're going to need them. Uh, you know, I know plenty of guys who wear like they do like a warm up on chest and then all of a sudden they're wearing elbow sleeves the rest of the workout. And they have to start doing that and keep doing that because their elbows are so bad now. They re their elbows rely so heavily on it that their tendons are weak, their joints are weak. They have to keep using it. So the less you use accessories, the better. Um, so like you're saying, stuff, you know, it's going to help with your lower back not activating. Another option for for your belt is going to be your deadlifts. If you're doing heavy heavy deadlifts or rack pulls, something like that, you want to focus on your lats. Uh, do it on the heavier sets. Uh, your rows. Say, as well. Those are the only two movements that I ever actually use my belt for: squats and deadlifts. Yeah. And that's fair. My coach, my coach doesn't have me deadlifting right now, so I'm literally just using it for squats. Yeah, I mean deadlifts. Deadlifts have their place. I think that hypertrophy wise there's going to be better options than straight deadlifts or back um sometimes i'll throw deadlifts in there for an overall um, insane compound movement you know it's going to target a little bit of everything um but i try to target my last as best i can um but rack pulls like which is part of your plan now um rack pulls is designed to just be the part of the deadlift that your lats do that your lats are targeting or targeted so up until so with the bar being just below your knees Anything past that or up higher than that is going to be your lats. Anything lower than that is all your legs. So your your that's why they call so deadlifts are the entire behind or back of your body. Not that it's just your back, but it's also your hams, your glutes, your calves, uh, your lower back, your traps. That's what deadlifts target. Uh, it's your entire back of your body. The front of your body isn't doing anything really. So when you do rack pulls, that's the lats. When you're doing anything up until your knees, that's all legs. So. Uh, you know, I think a belt for heavy rack pulls could help. Also a belt for heavy rows can help too. Um, when you're starting out with rows, you want to go really, really light. You want to make sure you're really squeezing, uh, your lats, you're really contracting really well, stretching them all the way out. Um, you don't want to round out your back. 
uh, we'll get into more of the actual form of different movements. But when you're when you're targeting your when you're doing rows and you're getting really really heavy, um, you know, like past a plate is pretty is pretty heavy for a row. If you're rowing past a plate, you're you're relatively strong. Um, at the very least, you're pretty strong. You're definitely stronger than than most people that don't go to the gym. Um, you should be using a, a plate at that or a uh, belt at that point um, because you're going to be putting a lot of strain on your lower back to stay hinged at the degree that you're staying hinged at, you know, whether it's 45 degrees or higher or something like that. Uh, so that's, that's, I think an important time to use the belt is when you're doing heavier, heavier rows. Uh, obviously you don't want to use them all the time. You want to keep your core strong. So don't use your belt for every single set, like I said, but, uh, for the heavier sets where you really want to just target your lats and really go as hard as you can without injuring yourself or really targeting your lower back, then that's when you use a belt. Yeah. And it's just really important. Like Paul said, not to use it for every time, because part of what we're doing when we hit back is, you know, working on a muscle that might not be one that you're really disciplined on yet. So in order to for you have to force yourself to not use it because it feels good to have a belt on and lift a ton of weight but at the same time you will it would be way more redeeming to be able to move that weight without the belt and mm -hmm. so in order to get yourself to that point you have to build up to it so using the belt less and less is kind of where we should be focusing on with when you're thinking about basically if you have to think about using the belt you shouldn't use it unless you feel like you're doing your max set or something like that. You you really shouldn't use it outside of that. The the people that wear it around all the time, they're they're the they're the just the the noobs of the gym. <laughs> yeah, it is it's it's very like sarm gobliny to kind of do that. <laughs> like hmm. there's like I used to go to um Vanarchy and Gardner, Massachusetts, and there's a lot of newbies there because it's kind of like underground kind of bodybuilding focused there's a lot of newbies who will wear uh the a belt the entire time even doing like chest and it, it's just insane to me that like that's even part of your like thought process is you know what i'm going to target my pecs let me put on something that doesn't allow me to target my lower back it's like what you don't need <laughs> that shit what are you doing um another thing to add to uh is there's different kinds of belts if you're going to be going for bodybuilding for aesthetics, you're going to get essentially the belt that's thickest at your lower back and then thin in the front. Um, essentially, what that's going to do is going to help with the front of your body bending more. You're going to be activating your abs a bit more, um, and it's going to be keeping your lower back stiff. You're going to see a lot of bodybuilder, not bodybuilders, a lot of powerlifters, a lot of Olympic lifters using the um, the latch belts, uh, which they have their use, but not in bodybuilding. Uh, the latch belts or belts that are symmetrical all the way around are going to just make it more difficult for your body to bend, for your body to move. That's why they're good for deadlifts or sumo deadlifts, especially. Uh, but they're not really good for anything else. You don't want to be using them for, in my opinion, you don't want to be using belts like that for squats because you're not allowing your upper body to bend or move at all uh, with the weight. Uh, bench is another thing. That's a whole other topic as far as powerlifting goes. I don't know why anybody would ever use a bent a belt for benching i've seen people do it i don't know why but there are different kinds of belts and uh i just always recommend you know the typical belt that's thick in the back thinner in the front uh that's also double latched for the buckle itself uh it's going to keep from ripping because if you have one latch it's going to rip the holes much easier uh because you are going to be putting a lot of weight on the belt so it's going to be ripping it a lot easier uh when you are putting the weight on the belt 
because when you're breathing, you're going to be stretching it out. You're going to be putting, you know, your, your abs are going to be flexing and all of that. So, um, something to keep in mind is just the longevity of the belt. And then also, um, where you get the belt is going to play a role too, because the stitching can come loose. Uh, the colors can start to fade away. Uh, the leather can start to peel. Um, so I think that, you know, where you get a belt, how much you spend on it is going to directly reflect, reflect on how long that belt lasts, just like any other accessory, lifting straps, um, sleeves, any sort of sleeve, any sort of clothing, everything's going to, whatever you pay for, especially when it comes to gym accessories, uh, you're going to get your, you, typically you get your money's worth. Uh, I mean, you, we're talking, when I mentioned money's worth for knee sleeves, for instance, a lot of them are kind of the same thing, which is kind of what I was directing you towards, Christoph. But if you really want to go to like next level sleeves, you're going to have to spend double the money. And it's like, do I get a really good knee sleeve for 60 bucks? Or do I get like next level amazing knee sleeve for like over a hundred dollars? And it's like for bodybuilding, it's really not needed to spend so much money on thick SBD knee sleeves. Um, but when you're getting a belt, um, something I did, I got a belt for my birthday one year. It took four months for them to make it. And they got, it was custom made. It was stitched in Garney with my last name. Um, so I still use that thing. I've been using it for about two years for over, was it? No, for about a year and a half now. And that thing is still going strong, strong as hell and still looks great. Uh, there's really no fading, no bleeding, like nothing like that. I mean, it looks used, but that's about it. And I really recommend to anybody, if you have the money, go to Iron Attitude, Iron Attitude Belts. It's Cardillo, but way cheaper. Um, Cardillo is very uh, overrated in my opinion, but uh, Iron Attitude Belts all day long. I will preach them all day long. They're great. They have all different kinds of materials. They have like snake skin belts and, and crocodile belts and uh, custom belts and all of that. So um, I recommend that for everybody who wants to, if you have the money to spend on a belt, get it from Iron Attitude. That's my opinion. And focusing back in on back um, yeah. for our lower lats, um, just a couple exercises that I think are at least my personal favorites. It might not be what I'm doing right now just because <laughs> I don't get to pick my, my what I do in a workout anymore. Um, but uh, what uh, a couple of my favorites for hitting, like really activating that lower lat area, um, the number one that I would always do is uh, wide grip lat pull downs because as you make yourself, this is where we talk about, you know, width and, and essentially girth. <laughs> but um when you have your arms out that wide and you pull them down if even if you do that just now without any kind of weight or anything you can feel that the muscle that is being really contracted is down in the lower part of your back um and so to be doing that for um progressively overloading that weight as well um not just going we you never want to do you know lightweight and never pushing yourself to failure just with lower back when you when we say failure for lower back, um, it might not be as intense as a different muscle group just because, again, the high risk of injury. So mm -hmm. um, still progressively overloading and adding more and more weight um, and dropping your reps to make sure you can do that um, is really important. And uh, personally, that wide grip lat pull down was... God, I keep burping. Um, Wide grip lap pull down is a personal favorite of mine. Again, I don't get to do it anymore because I don't pick my workout plan anymore. The closest I get to it now is it's a different movement. Um, the uh, I do chest supported rows. And if you drive your dumbbell to your hip instead of pulling uh, up near your shoulders or 
you know, upper section, um, upper torso section, I should say. Uh, so if you're driving those dumbbells to your hip, that'll activate your lower lat area as well. Um, so that is also an alternative. So when you're doing dumbbell rows, driving that dumbbell to your hip area instead of uh, higher up in your in your frame, uh, that will hit your lower lat and kind of give you a little bit more um, opportunity to build that muscle group. But uh, especially from a posing perspective, lower lats are tough to fucking control. I know, Paul, you and I talk about it every time I send you my pictures. I yeah. somehow have a little bit of control over mine, but that is just an incredibly difficult area to really flex and consistently control. So you just have to really trust the process and keep your discipline and keep working at it in order to yeah. get to that point. Um, yeah, lower lats is a very interesting movement to hit because um, the way – so like what you were explaining, the wide grip pulldowns, mind muscle connection plays a huge role into the way that you hit movements. And for me, I'm very different with that. Um, wide grip pull downs. I focus more like, obviously you're going to feel it in your lats, but I also allow my terrace major and minor to activate. So your terrace major and minor, when you're looking at a back, someone's back, you know, let's say you're looking at like, um, someone doing a lat spread that ball kind of, um, between their traps or lats and their delts is going to be your, your, your terrace major and minor. Um, it's, it looks kind of like your delt extended down your back a little bit. That's a very, very important muscle to hit. In my opinion, I think that's going to make your back look much, much better. Um, you know, uh, even looking at like Arnold's back, you know, when he's flexing, it's, it's, there's the ball near his delt. Um, you know, like his right delt, it's going to be bottom left of his delt is where that ball is. That's your, that's going to be your terrace major and minor connecting right there. So that's something that I let lat pull downs kind of activate a bit. Um, something to keep in mind with lat pull downs is the way you hit them too. Um, because I see a lot of guys, this is something that you probably have done before. Not you necessarily, Christoph, I just mean like whoever's listening. Um, when people do lat pull downs, a lot of times they'll pull it down and as they're pulling down, they lean further back. And then when they let it back up, they go closer to the cable machine and more straighten out their back straight up and down. Um, you don't want to do that. What you're going to want to do is you want to get directly underneath the weight. Um, when you're doing cable pull downs, let's say for instance, you want to get, you want to set up the, the leg resistance things, the, the, the pads directly above your quads so that that way you're squeezing your legs right into it. Um, so it keeps you nice and steady. You want to go directly underneath the weight, which usually means like your abs should be touching the pads just about. You want to arc your back backwards and then pull down and not move. Uh, that's going to be targeting your lats perfectly. Uh, another thing I you can need What's that? Just, just to interrupt real quick, I can tell yeah. you why th the two reasons why people do that lean method. Uh, one, the ego is not left at the door and you can move a lot yeah. more weight that way. But also the video of Arnold back in uh, uh, back in the 70s, I couldn't tell you what the video was for, but everyone misperceives that video as thinking that's what they need to do because on his yes. rows, on his pull downs, on his T-bar rows, he's like wildly moving around. And yes. everybody misperceives that as I need to do that every day to look like Arnold when you don't realize that that was probably for him, like some kind of a burnout set or something where he's putting every last bit that he has into it, or he's on like hour four or five. Cause he, he's one of those people who would do four or five hour long workout sessions. So people don't understand that, that it's being done for a reason separate than what they think they should be doing. Yeah. So 
to add to that, actually, that's a really good thing you bring up because that is where it originated from, essentially, for a lot of guys. What Arnold is doing in his pull downs and his rows is amazing. And I do it in my rows a lot, not all the time, but what he's doing is he's stretching out his back as much as possible. Uh, and then as he, so like for his rows, right? The reason anybody leans forward in their rows is because of Arnold essentially. So what he was doing in his close grip rows, he'd lean forward to stretch out his back entirely, then come back, he'd squeeze his back and then do the row. So not at any point from the stretching and leaning back is he doing the row. He's just holding the weight essentially. Um, so he's just stretching his, his back out. That's all he's doing. And then when he comes back upright and then does the row, that's when he's actually doing the row. His lat pull downs the same thing. He'll stretch out his back entirely and then he'll get back into the position of the movement and lat pull down, stretch out lat pull down. So you can absolutely do that if you do it properly. But the, a lot of the problem, a lot of people is that they swing the weight th thinking that's what he's doing when really that's not what he's doing. He's controlling the weight in the entire way. He, they also thought back then that they didn't really know what time and retention was. So there, a lot of their movements were very fast. There was very fast. It was like lifting as many times as they possibly can in that set. Right. Uh, so that was the idea was stretching it out, do, using the entire, entire muscle and doing it as many times as possible. That's why he's doing it so fast, but he wasn't swinging the weight at any point. So these guys in the gym, they're using a lot of momentum when they're leaning back to start pulling the weight. And then as they pull back from, from leaning back, they pull down with their arms and it's, you're not really activating the way you should be. Um, I mean, for me, my calisthenic strength is not very good, but some of the dudes with the biggest backs, all they do for, for, for anything like lat pull downs is just simply wide grip pull-ups. That's it. Yep. Like they have some of the craziest lats and because they're just targeting it properly, they're not stretching it. They're not, I mean, they're stretching it, but they're not using momentum. They're not, uh, cheating the rep in any sort of way. I mean, my, my coach recently, I sent him my back day, uh, weights every single day. I sent him my weights that I lifted. Uh, Saturday of last week, or sorry, Monday of last week, I sent him my back day. And he said, I want you to start throwing in pull-ups with your back day. He said, just do as many as you can for three sets. And he said, I want to see that progressively get higher each back day. It's going to be a key movement to building your back bigger. Uh, cause my problem isn't necessarily the thickness is the width, like I was mentioning and doing wide grip lap pull-ups, like I can barely even do a few because they're so fucking hard. So for me, cables end up working better, but I mean, I'm doing like 140 to 160 of solid eight to 10 reps maybe for my top set. And that's it. But I see dudes like just in the gyms doing 200 for like eight. And I'm like, dude, you're swinging the weight. Like you're not activating the way you should be. Um, something else to take into account is your, your shoulder joints as well. Uh, with lat pull downs, where your, where your elbows are pointing is also going to target completely differently, or it's going to help with the, with the rep overall. Um, so when you're, when you're doing lat pull downs, uh, wide grip or, or neutral grip doesn't matter. The way your elbows are pointing is going to target a little bit differently. If you're going to have them pointing in more inward, you're going to target, um, you know, more of your rhomboids, higher lats, uh, and maybe even a little bit of terrace major minor wider grip. You're going to be targeting more of your lower lats. Um, a little bit of your rhomboids maybe, and that's about it. As long as, you know, you're not specifically targeting anything else like I am, um, the way your elbows are going to be gripped or your way your elbows are going to be coming down for the lat pull downs with a wide grip, you want to keep your elbows almost parallel, uh, you know, completely outright when you're doing it. Uh, but then for me, when I do lat pull downs, I do a lot more neutral grip, 
which is going to be more inward a little bit. Your hand's going to be kind of, your palm's going to be facing each other. Then that's when you're going to want to pull in your elbows a little bit more. Uh, and then you also, another thing to take into account too, to really f- maximize the rep, you don't want to be stretching your elbows all the way out either. Uh, if you're going to be stretching out your elbows, you're going to start activating your biceps without meaning to, uh, to bend your elbows. So keep your elbows bent, keep them locked and go until the point your back is fully stretched out. You're going to feel it. You'll know when your back is stretched out and then that's when you start your rep again. So a couple things to take into account for lat pull downs, because that is a lot of people's core movements or main movements, especially for, uh, warmups and starting it. Um, which I think is your starting rep, right? Isn't that your starting movement? Reverse grip. Uh, it's reverse grip. Yeah. So you're yeah. because the reason for the reverse grip is because it's both a back and by day. So you actually want to engage a little bit of your biceps on that particular movement. Is that um, what he said? No, but that's my understanding of it because that's the only reason that I would do a reverse grip pull down. So reverse grip pull down is i understand the, that it also target i mean it continues to target your your lats but the reason why that is you would do that over a neutral grip or standard grip is that you have like you're in a flex position for your biceps so here's my argument reverse grip pull downs the way i would use it is almost like pullovers so you have a pullover machine there at empire which i think you should be using um I don't know why it's not in your back day. I think personally, I would have done, if I was going to write your back day, I would have done it a little bit differently. I like the movements he has in there. I just think that you should use a little bit more back movement. And I think you should have a tricep and bicep day separate. But with that being said, uh, the reverse grip pull downs, I would use them almost, almost as like uh, pullovers. So when you're pulling it down to your chin, you should, you can absolutely not use your bi- bi- like you can use your biceps if you want to, but if you want to target your lats, which you should be doing here, you should not feel it in your biceps. In my opinion, um, you should be pulling from your elbows, pulling from your back and just pulling it down like a pullover. So pullover pulls it over your head, pull down. If you, the way you sit, you can absolutely pull it to your back, just like a pullover. And then that'll squeeze when you squeeze there. So thinking about it, it would be, your rhomboids, your terrace major minor, and a little bit of your me- middle lats. So this is going to help with growing your gr- growing your width a little bit. Is going to be your your ver- reverse grip pull downs. Um, that's how I'm, I would. I'm use pulling. Them. He does have me pulling it to just below the chin, so not going yes. all the way down into the rep. Yeah. So bo- it says 1.5 second hold below the just below your chin. So yeah. yeah. So holding it here, squeezing it, and then letting it go. Yeah, that's all back like even just doing it without any weight right now, if you're seeing the video, I'm doing it with no weight. Yeah. That's all back. And that's for me, that's all terrace major minor and outer, outer lat right there. That's how it's targeted for me. Um, and then when you're at the bottom and you're squeezing right here, you can absolutely squeeze your lower lats. If you wanted to, that's what I'm doing right now. I can absolutely squeeze it right here, holding the weight and then stretching it out. If you go nice and slow, focus on the negative and use your lat as resistance. Yeah, you can build your width for that. So it's a good movement. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of that you can do with that. Um, chest supported rows, absolutely uh, phenomenal. I love chest supported rows. T bar rows, which are is he having you do barbell T bar rows? No, uh, it's the uh, plate machine. loaded bar. No, plate so, loaded bar. Yeah. Okay. So it's a machine. So um, it no, is, no, it's, it's literally just a bar. No, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. It's still a machine. It's not free weight. 
technically. I mean, there, there's no machine aspect to it. It's a, it's a pivot in the ground that you put in a bar into, and then you just load plates into onto it. Right. I'm just saying the difference. So it's when you're talking when you're talking about the types of movements. There's free weight cable machine essentially uh, for for most movements. If it's a machine, th- if it doesn't involve cables and is not direct free weight, it's considered a machine. That's all I'm saying. Not that it's like pin loaded or really uses pivot like uh, pulleys or anything like that. Um, but because it's you know you're kind of sitting in a contraption that's using a fulcrum, it's not free weight. Because of that, it's considered a machine, even though you're. Yeah, but in order to do it, in order to do it without that, it would be like a dumbbell. You can't do it without one. Like that, it's it's literally just a bar. There's nothing. No, else I know, it. I know what you're talking about, but it's it's part of a. There's a pit. Like, I would consider free weight T bar rows where it's an actual barbell, and you're using like like a cable extension or like a cable yeah. grip. Underneath yeah, the that's bar. yeah. That's what I consider yeah. free weight, and that's, that's what, what I'm saying. I'm doing. I it's oh, it's, so a, you're not, it's, a full, it's not chest supported T bar rows. No, it's no, okay. it's it's a barbell okay. that's just like yeah. on a little pivot in the ground. You yeah. play with it, and then I grab a narrow okay. grip uh, from essentially from the uh, from a pull down machine. I go on and grab yeah. that, and I loop that in, and that's what I'm rowing with. Okay, yeah, then that's free weight. I was thinking yeah, you're talking about the chest supported <laughs> one. When I said T bar no. row machine, that's what I meant. Was like the chest supported one that you're kind of standing in. So I'm like, that's technically a machine because it's not free weight. But I know what you're talking about now. Okay, good. So I was wondering that because it says chest supported rows and then it says T bar rows. So I'm like, are you doing another chest supported row essentially? So you're doing narrow grip T bar rows, but you progress. So your chest supported row is that more neutral grip or is that more wide grip? Uh, that is a neutral grip um, from my last set, just because if you read in the notes, we're focusing the sets two and three are. Um, weight I could move for 12, but only doing for six to eight and focusing on con- contraction and neutral grip helps the most, in my personal opinion, with focusing on the contraction at the top of the rep. Um, yeah. so that's why I'm doing it neutral group, neutral grip there. Um, especially considering it's weight that I'm supposed to be able to move for 12 set or 12 reps when I'm only doing it for six to eight. Okay. Yeah, I'm so looking it's, at it's just it's full it's full you know time under tension um, uh, discipline like we're we're just building up focusing on contraction a lot of my in a lot of the notes a lot of the muscles or a lot of the notes are focused on um, not so much on the weight more so on the contraction and the pump like especially right. in, in the arm exercises you'll see it there right so. It says here on your body space workout log, it says that you're doing dumbbell incline rows for your chest supported rows. Is that what yes. you're doing? Yeah. The, okay. So the incline, yeah, it's it's dumbbell on an incline chest supported. Interesting. See, I would have done machine chest supported rows. That's just my opinion because you have free weight for your other three movements. So I would have done machine for that. Um, and then you got your T-bar rows, which are really good. That's another reason I want to start going to the other gym is because the gym I go to now doesn't have that pivot for barbell for me to really lock in. Um, and you got Smith machine barbell rows and then you got rack pulls. Um, so a lot of rows, you're doing a lot of rows, which makes sense. I and mean, rows are for, for thickness. And then you got your pull downs and you got your rack pulls, which are going to help with a little bit with width. Um, so another thing to do too, with that pivot that you're talking about, where you put the bar into it is you can go at it sideways where the bar is, 
perpendicular to the way you're standing, you can grab the end of the bar and pull it to the side. So it's kind of like wide grip uh, rows essentially. And that's going to help a lot with width. That's the reason why I want to go to that other gym is for that. Um, so that's going to help a lot with width. That's going to target your terrace major minor, your your outer lats. That's going to help a lot with your, your lat spread, your front double. That's what's going to give that illusion of width when you're doing your front double. And that's why I need to work on that because my width is just not there. Um, um, is th for what we were just talking about with the uh, T-bar row, um, I think that's one where you can utilize back stretching in a better way than the other. Like we talked about the basically the swing motion of the lat pull down and the yeah. and the seated row. Um, I think the T-bar row is because of how you're hunched over on it. I think stretching out and like almost giving yourself more space down in the absolute negative and like forcing yourself to go deeper into it, I think is the one like because we talked about how so many people do it just because they saw Arnold do it and they're not actually focusing on what they should be doing. Whereas I think with the T-bar row, I think that's one where it's a lot harder to mess up because if you go deeper into that into that rep and you have to like, you know, swing your body to move it up, you know you're already me messed up because you're supposed to be completely stationary and just dipping your arms in a little bit more allows that little bit more back stretching. Um, yeah. So I think that one is kind of a good stepping stone for people who want to, you know, stretch out their back more with their exercises, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that could be good for stretches, like stretching it out to the max. When you're doing machine versions of it, I recommend against stretching it because uh, then most likely that just means it's too heavy of weight uh, because it's going to be chest supported. So if you're stretching out, from the weight then you're not targeting the way you want it to target so free weight with keeping a strong core and stretching it out that's totally fine but if it's chest supported you don't want to stretch out typically um sometimes i'll do um you know wide grip uh rows where i do let my arm my my back i mean stretch out and my arms kind of droop a little bit lower um but that's because i'm targeting specifically the width of my back and not the thickness so with this t-bar row since it's close rows um you can absolutely stretch it out because you're going to be targeting the middle of your lats, your rhomboids, uh, and the thickness overall of your back when you're building it. So that you can absolutely stretch out. Um, so moving forward, as far as um, other movements that a lot of people are familiar with is deadlifts. Um, deadlifts are very hard to learn. Uh, it's something that it's going to take a little while to understand how it works and how to target your back. Um, you're going to be activating a lot of things all at once, especially in the beginning. Uh, I also recommend, you know, we were talking about it, how there's better movements than deadlifts. There's, the deadlifts aren't even in your back workout right now. Um, so, but that's, so that's for, so when I, prior to getting the workout plan from coach, um, he wanted top sets of everything, like just video versions of top sets. So I sent my top sets for everything. Uh, and for deadlifts, we both decided that, like I, when I sent the video over, I, I said, Hey coach, like I realized that my form's not the best on this top set. Um, I can change that for the better, but he was like, no, you just have some structural imbalances that we have to work on as we get like more progressed into this workout plan. So that's yeah. why we cut deadlifts and instead replaced it with rack pulls because you're able to focus on keeping your back completely in that arced formation. Um, I'll send you that video, but of the one that I referenced for coaching. I, I know what you're talking about. You did send me it. 
yeah, I had I had basically a little bit of a hunch when I was trying yeah, to get the weight up. Yeah. Exactly. And so in order to counteract that, that's why we pulled that and focused more on rack pulls. So then when we do revisit the dead pull movement, my form will be a lot better. And I think that's actually something that is really important for people listening to understand is that if you have or if it if it is very hard for you to get rid of your hunch and really arc your back when you're doing a deadlift, rack pulls is the way to go. Because like Paul was saying earlier, you have it just below the knee because as you fire upwards from that position, there is no place for your legs to move. It is purely your back. You have that arc and you work on just moving the weight up. And yeah. especially, you know, I'm, I'd consider myself seasoned in the gym at this point. And when I did that, I had never, and I can 100% say I have never done rack pulls before yesterday's workout. And I felt like bliss. I <laughs> I felt great. I could feel every single muscle that I was hitting um, and my backs, you know, specifically I was getting more of an upper back vibe from any, if anything when I was doing them. Um, but that particular movement is something that I think now that I've done it, I can preach that I think everybody should start with that before even thinking about doing deadlifts. Um, just because you have such a good connect, such a good opportunity to build a mind muscle connection, really focus on keeping that back arced and like as in the position you want it to be before you move on into deadlifts. Because I can I approached it from the opposite perspective because when I got into the gym, ego was still everything. And so deadlift is one of those ones where if you're deadlifting three or more plates you're kind of the big dog in the, in that gym and so you're like all right i'm gonna fucking do this i'm gonna make sure that people can see me slam this weight down and you really give up on the form side of things where it and that's where you start to have injury and risk for longevity and things for that so now that i've done it and i've completely like that movement alone solidified my confidence in my new coach <laughs> just him being able to see that top set of my movement realizing what was going on and fixing it with a an exercise that is going to help me to further my back gains was a beautiful thing for me to be able to experience yeah it's it's also easier for you to do something like rack pulls because of your height uh, yeah. Again, for anyone who's listening, I'm six four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be harder for you to 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 do movements like that. Bench press is another one because your limbs are so long. Uh so rack pulls can definitely be a lot more help. Um deadlifts have their place, they have their use. They're very hard to learn. You have to keep a very straight back. I know plenty of guys who have naturally rounded out backs, just the way they stand, their posture. So learning for me, deadlifts wasn't very hard to learn because I've very, I tend to have a pretty straight back when it comes to posture. Um, so I just kind of kept my back straight for the most part. Uh, and then I started to understand it, but it's very, very difficult for a lot of people to learn how to do it. Uh, it's, and when you get into the heavier stuff, like when you sent me that video, I, w when I was watching, I was like, okay, maybe it's a little heavy. You can just kind of, the only problem is just that you're rounding out back your back a little bit like with that yeah. set, which isn't the end of the world. Um, but it's like, okay, form's not the best in this set. I know that it's better in other sets. So I think that in my opinion, all that happened really was just that you went a little bit too heavy and that happens when I go too heavy on deadlifts, my backgrounds out a little bit. And it's just because it's, I'm pushing everything I can 
through that rep just to get it up. So sometimes form does get compromised and ideally you don't want that to happen. Uh, you don't want to compromise form if you can, if you can avoid it. So that's part of bodybuilding is that if you're going to compromise form, then probably you shouldn't be doing it. Um, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, stuff like that, where they're going for one rep maxes, their form you, do, you do whatever you need to, to get the weight up. If you're doing, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Your form doesn't necessarily matter too much. I mean, obviously you want to be using proper form to get the weight up because it's going to be easier when you use proper form. But if they round out their back a little bit just to get the weight up and then it's a new PR, that's good enough for them. Where for us, your PR shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. You know, people ask me all the time what my PRs are. And I'm like, dude, I could not care less. Like, I really don't know. I let the uh, the app take care of that now. When people are yeah. like, hey, what, what's your PR? I'm like, let me, because like the, the body space app that I sent you, yeah. you it calculates it calculates your one rep max off of every workout you've done. So I'm like, yeah. you want to know my PR? There, that's what it is. I mean, that's just <laughs> I'm like not a rough, going to do it. That's a rough estimate too. That's not, because like when you're, when you're training powerlifting, they do like, you know, percentage of, their PR uh, set. So they'll do like, let's say like deadlift to do like eight sets of deadlifts, but they'll do like, like a few reps each set. And it's like first set is like 75% of their PR and they'll do like two reps. And then second set's like 80% of their PR and then 85, 90, 95, 98, 99. And then they'll do a hundred percent of their rep or hundred percent of their PR go for one. And then they'll do like 101% and go for one. Like that's how they do their sets. So with us, we're taxing the muscle in a very different way. So fatigue plays a much bigger role in what we're trying to do. So the 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 my app that I use, which is um rep count, uh, that also targets my one rep max. And the 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 rule of thumb, if you're getting, let's say you completely fail failed at eight reps, uh, your eight rep max times one point two two five is your in quotations one rep max. And that's just a rule of thumb. It's not necessarily hundred percent accurate. It's just like a general idea. So if you deadlift three plates for eight, um, then let me do, let me do the calculations here. So that's uh, 315, right? Three, three plates is 315 yep. um, times 1.225. So it's technically your one rep max should be around 386 pounds, which is like, it's three plates and then um, 25, 35, 35, 35 yeah. on each side. That's, that's your run rep max, hypothetically. So that necessarily mean that doesn't necessarily mean that that is your one rep max. It's just like based off that and statistically, it should be around that point is your one rep max. But if you went for a one rep max after that set, you're going to be fucking fried and you're not going to be able to get it. So, uh, one rep max or PR should just really not be in your vocabulary. Um, I'm going to go grab some more coffee. I'll be right back. Yeah. And I think uh, something that Paul is really <clears throat> focusing on when he says that is that for us, Paul and I were in the bodybuilding world and the majority of our listeners are probably in some aspect of the bodybuilding world or in the advanced side of the lifestyle fitness. So when we're talking about not PRing, that's not just because one, it doesn't really do much for us because we're again, focusing so much on muscle contraction, we're focusing so much on time under tension and making sure that we're building mind muscle connection, but it also puts us at a higher risk of injury because we don't do it all that often. And it's not really 
something that we need to be doing because it's just a lot of weight all at once. Whereas for us, we're focused on muscle volume and building our muscle size more and more. So when we avoid that PR, it allows us to instead fill that time with a higher volume or just, you know, our eight to 12, whatever your particular set is going for, for a rep range. Because again, we're focusing more and more on the contraction and the constant contraction. That's that's what time under tension is. It's just you consistently contracting your muscle and taking your time with it so that you can feel it as you go through the positive and the negative of each rep. And so a PR, I mean, a PR could, you could get that thing, like for example, a PR on deadlift, you could struggle with that thing for near 30 seconds before you get to the top. And that really does nothing for us in the bodybuilding world. Because you're, yeah, because for us, if we're going to take 30 seconds on a rep, which I I can't think of unless you're doing a like holdout rep, but the only time that I can think, or I can't think of any time because for us, that amount of time should be spent thinking about the muscle and how it's contracting with a comfortable weight so that we can actually feel the muscle contracting and doing what it's supposed to do. But if you're PRing and you're taking that much time, you you almost black out from moving that much weight and trying to. So that's why it kind of defeats the purpose on the bodybuilding side of things, because we are so focused on our looks and how our muscles. Uh, well, when you're focused on your looks, you care more about your muscle in the moment and in under tension, not about the move um, about the weight you can move. So that's why PRs are kind of dispelled from our vocabularies. It's cool to say, yeah, I, you know, I PR four or five on a deadlift like cool it's cool to say that but in reality for us in the in the world of shaping our bodies to be the best that you can it really does nothing for us so that's kind of what paul means by all that yeah and um there's 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 a saying i think i've said it before in this podcast is um powerlifters their goal is to move as much weight as easy as possible our goal is to move little as little weight as hard as possible essentially like we want it to be as hard as possible to move the weight we want it to be very difficult we want it to hurt power lift power lifters want to move as much weight as possible as easy as they can uh that's their goal you know they want to move the weight that's their goal is to finish the rep is to get as much weight up as possible uh so that's the differences there uh hypertrophy and powerlifting don't really go hand in hand strength will come from muscle size, which I've said before, strength will come from muscle size. It, it, it indirectly gets affected. Your strength does get affected when your muscle size grows, but you know, a guy who's the same weight and same look as me who focused on strength is going to be much stronger. Uh, but they're not going to look the same as me. You know, if they have the same weight and same muscle mass, they're not going to look the exact same that I do. If they're focusing on strength, their overall build is going to be completely different. So, um, that's something to just keep in mind. I mean, with a lot of beginners will have PR in their vocabulary and you want to take that out. Uh, you know, like, like we've said, leave the, your ego at the door. That's the goal. Uh, you know, you don't want to have your ego play a role at all in the gym. Um, but with that being said, deadlifts is a good movement. Just don't think about PRs. I mean, deadlifts, you do 10 plus reps for deadlifts. That's fucking hard. That shit is so tiring. It just fries your nervous system. Uh, but so that's why it's such a good movement because it can be. it's a, 
it, well, yeah, and it's a compound movement. For those who don't know, compound movement, you know, activates more than just one muscle. And mm-hmm. that's what a deadlift is really good for. Because we mentioned how in the very, in the absolute bottom of the rep, it's your legs, a li- it's your legs that get it started, then it progresses into your back and then all the way up into your upper back your arms are active your forearms are having to grip that much weight like it is an overall really good thing to hit a lot of different muscles but again you have to be focused on doing a lot of reps because a lot of reps is fucking tough on deadlifts (laughs) it really is even on even on low weight which is why leaving the ego out there because like honestly for me right now i think if i was to do two plates two plates for me is only moving like two plates on a side is only moving for, you know, 10 to maybe 15, because after like eight or so, I'm sitting there going, motherfucker, why am I still doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of burnout that you want to be able to achieve. And you can't do that on a PR. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to go to like, you're like, you literally can't lift the weight anymore for your, like your, for your failed rep, whatever it is. I mean, first couple sets, you don't want to go complete failure. That's my opinion. I usually back is usually eight to 14 reps. Uh, usually I do my first set. I t- target around 14 reps, not complete failure. Um, maybe like a few reps off failure and then stop. 12 is the same thing. 12 reps, a few reps off failure, but then like eight and 10, I'm trying to go to complete failure. If 10 goes closer to 12, then eight goes closer to 10. Then that means I need to go up and wait. Uh, especially for the next week. So that's what the progressive overload is going to be. That's the way I target it is I base, I base it off of mainly my top set. If eight goes closer to 10, uh, then I move up the weight overall for everything essentially, or I just move up just the top set. It depends. So, uh, you know, if my, my third set says, so let's say I'm doing four sets of deadlifts. I want to go 14, 12, 10, eight. That's my goal for all four rep for all four sets. Sometimes I'll do a drop set, which I just go to the complete failure failure, which I'll write down whatever it is, but let's say I'm targeting uh, 10 for my middle set. If it's 10 for my middle set, but then it's like nine for my top set, uh, I would just adjust the top set because clearly I just had a little bit more in the tank when it came to hitting that top set. So I just need to adjust my top set. But if I'm getting closer to 12 for my middle set and then my top set's closer to 10, I might even do a fifth set. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm feeling, you know, my... I've gotten some strength in there, you know, I've built it up a bit. So let me go ahead and add maybe 10 more pounds each side for deadlifts. Then I'll go for eight. And then if I get eight or less, then I'm like, okay, like ideally I want to get more than seven. Like if I get seven and some change, perfect. If I get eight, perfect. But anything past eight is like, okay, maybe I need to adjust a little bit, but uh, then going to the next week, I'll adjust the middle set and adjust the top set. So it's back to four sets where I'm failing at 10 and eight. That's essentially how I do progressive overload. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people just base off the top set. Some people go to failure on pretty much every set. And then just when they go up a rep in every movement, then they adjust the weights to go back down a rep, then up a rep, then back down, so on and so forth. Uh, it just depends on however you want to target your progressive overload. But ideally, you want to be changing. If you're, if you're maintaining or putting on weight, you want to go up a rep or go up in rate, weight every time you lift. Uh, from the previous week or from the previous day that you're hitting. Uh, so that's what you want to be doing. That's progressive overload. So deadlifts is a good example of that. Some I'll do deadlifts maybe once a month to kind of test where my strength is at in comparison to the last time I did deadlifts. So if I did deadlifts right now, I'd probably get a decent amount out because I have carbs in my system versus when I didn't have carbs in my system. So uh, that plays a huge role. Your carbs is going to play a huge role. 
your energy is going to play a huge role in something like your deadlifts. And that's why it's also key to put deadlifts towards the end or something very, very heavy compound. Like your, your rack pulls are very important to have at the end because it's going to fry your nervous system. Your nervous system is going to play a huge role in how much you're actually lifting and what you're going to be doing within the movement. Uh, squats is very, very hard uh, on your nervous system. I put squats towards the beginning. It sets a good foundation for the rest of my movements. But at the same time, it's like if you put squat at the, squats at the end, you're going to be lifting less, but you're going to be stronger throughout the rest of your workout that you had after your squats. So it just depends on how you wanted to utilize it. Um, I think deadlifts shouldn't be in every single week. I think that in my opinion, I think it's a good test of strength in your, in your overall body. I think that for back, you can target your back for a lot of it. Um, one thing to mention too, is that rack pulls or deadlifts when you're at the top and you round out your shoulders, that's going to help build your rhomboids because you're going to pull your scapula together a little bit. And it's also going to build your terrace major and minor to build that ball in your back. So that's going to help with that too. All you're doing is when you're at the top of the rep, instead of keeping your shoulders more forward, or at least more parallel, you're going to roll them back and kind of stretch out your chest. And then you're going to squeeze and that's going to hold the weight up for you. Your, your, I mean, your grip is going to need to grip it, but you're going to hold up the weight from that, not from your overall body, not your core. And then you go back down, you let your shoulders round back out. Then you do the deadlift and come back up and then you roll, you roll your shoulders out again. Uh, that's going to help with, like I said, the rhomboids and terrace major minor, something to add in there. Um, and then to build thickness, uh, just keep doing more rows, which you're already doing stuff. You're doing plenty of rows, but rows is going to build thickness. Um, and then anything wide grip is going to help with the width. Um, you know, you I think even, I think even like not even doesn't have to be wide grip, but just any kind of lat pull down or, or pull ups. I think that will build your width. doesn't even have to, I mean, yes, wide grips. Absolutely. But I'm saying even just standard grip, like standard, um, uh, standard width i guess the term is i'm going for it but on a pull down that too will build your width yeah just shoulder width pull downs um will help pull downs will help with width you could narrow pull downs um will target more of your middle of your back than the out your outer lats um you know dorian yates he never did anything wide grip um you know there's there's an interview he had or he posted to Twitter once he showed his lat spread and he said not one wide grip pull down was done in body in building this you got to pull narrow um I'm a huge advocate for for narrow pull downs I think narrow pull downs are amazing you can target your back in any kind of way you want uh so one of the things that I mentioned my mouse connection is very important is when you're doing narrow grip pull downs or narrow rows ideally really narrow grip pull downs you can target any muscle in your back you want specifically by the way you're you're gripping the grip or the attachment so narrow grip pull downs typically have a neutral grip or your palms are facing each other the way i train people if i'm training with someone and they're doing narrow grip what i'll have them do typically is um scoot their hands closer to them on the attachment and then they'll pull from their first finger and their middle finger i'll tell them to pull from those and have their thumb typically on the outside of the grip, what that's going to do is going to target more of your middle of your back. Uh, it's going to help with a lot more thickness. If you wanted to target more outer back, you're going to want to scoot your elbows out more and pull from your middle finger and your ring finger towards the middle of the attachment. And that's going to help more with width. So it, it the way you the way you grip 
bars, the way you grip the attachments, the way you pull it can entirely change the movement. Uh, something to keep into account when you're doing anything. Uh, when you don't have the mind muscle connection, you want to do it properly based off of what the general idea of the movement is. So if you're doing narrow grip pull downs, just keep the neutral grip, keep pulling from your middle fingers right in the middle of the grip and keeping your elbows kind of out a little bit. But for me, because I can target it in a different way, I have other people doing it a different way and they're like, wow, okay, this makes complete this this makes it completely different and I like it this way now. But you have to have that mind muscle connection. So I'll only ever tell people to do that when I'm lifting with someone who's been lifting for a while. You can target specific like when you're when you know you have a good mind muscle connection with your back, you can you can flex different muscles in your back. Like I can flex my lower lats right now, I can flex my rhomboids, my terrace major minor. Uh, you know, your, your, my last in general, my lower back just by sitting here. So if you have that connection, then you can make it burn in any muscle you want as bad as you want it to burn. Uh, my back burns so fucking bad on back on back day, not quite like legs. Legs is more of like a pain, but like, this is more of like a good burn. Like back is like a good burn. Um, kind of like arms when you're really, when you're really contracting a bicep curl, it burns. It's kind of like that. So you want it to burn. Um, and the way you attach the grip, the way you grip it is going to play a huge role. Definitely. A hundred percent of our listeners, including myself in that moment, while you're going, just sat there trying to flex each of their <laughs> muscles in their back. Can I do it? Can I do it? <laughs> oh, there's that. There's well, the one. A bit. Yeah. It's cool too. When, you, when you're able to flex it like that, like when, when I, I go into lat pull downs and I can flex my lower lats, it's like, whoa, I can feel exactly where my lower lats are. It's fucking wild. I was trying to be subtle with it. I was trying not to be too obvious when I was sitting here trying to. Oh, I didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just all I could think about. But um, yeah. one, I, I'm going to throw another exercise out there that is a personal favorite of mine for building um, middle middle of the back. Uh, so again, we're we're kind of progressively getting higher and higher, um, but we're consistently talking about you know width and and size and whatnot. Um, but one of my personal favorites for building um, size in your middle back is um, single arm cable rows. So not just, you know, we have our narrow grip row, seated rows that we do, but yeah. I like to do single arm ones because with when you do a single arm, one, it's humble. It's very humbling because you're not able to move as much weight. Yeah. Um, two, I like to be able to, and many of us have this, many who have like, a dominant hand there's a little bit of an imbalance so like for example i know that my right side is stronger than my left side just from mm -hmm. all my sports history and doing everything as a right-handed dominant person whereas when you do a single arm cable row you're able to progressively increase maybe the reps a little bit on a side that you're weaker on to kind of try and work on that imbalance a little bit and mm -hmm. that's not to say that you should be like that's not saying like on my right side, I, I can move 60 and my left side, I can move 55 and I'm splitting the weight. You're still doing the same weight. Just you mm -hmm. might want to try and squeeze out an extra rep or two on the side that you know is not as strong. And that's what I think any kind of single arm movement does. But specifically single arm seated rows helps you to do that for the middle of your back because the middle of the back is where you're driving most of your force from. So I mm -hmm. think that that's a really undervalued um really undervalued exercise because nine times out of 10, when someone sits down at a seated row, they're grabbing the narrow grip and going to that, or they're going for a wide grip and just doing that with their seated rows. 
I see so few people doing single arm seated rows. So I think that's I kind of one to kind of focus on. I do them as well. Um, it's it, you're going to have imbalances. That's going to happen. You could be oh, the yeah. most advanced lifter. You can be lifting your whole life, and you're going to have imbalances. That's going to happen. Well, um, look at uh, look at the picture of Seabum from this past uh, Olympia. His left yeah. bicep, like it was like without any edits, you could see a clear difference in size. And he well, does a really just... good job of hiding it. But well, he tore his left bicep. That's why he did come out about it. Yeah, um, he did talk about it and talk about you know, what happened. I haven't watched the video yet. I mean, it was clearly obvious he tore it. Um, and he, he hid it from everybody. He hid the, 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 I don't Which know how a, he did it, but that's insane at the highest level where you're being judged. So scrutinally, like that's absurd to be able to hide something like that and still come out on top. Well, I mean, it didn't look bad. It just, we just noticed it was more rounded no, out. No, it wasn't as no. much of a peak. I'm saying he hid it from like the public when it happened which is oh, astounding. Okay. Like how, we didn't even know anything happened until the show. And like, that's a bitch to heal. Like that takes a long ass time for that shit to heal. And you're in like a sling a lot of the time and you got bandages and whatnot. And it usually requires surgery, especially if you tear it clean from the tendon or the bone, it requires surgery. So it's like the fact that he supposedly went through a tear and like, we didn't even know is, is astounding. Um, but to continue on that, you're going to have imbalances. It's going to happen. And it's not the end of the world. You just don't want it to the point where, like you said, you don't want to be doing two different weights for per side, you know, a couple reps, like for my imbalance, my left side of my back is a little bit weaker than my right. Even though I'm, I'm more left dominant than anything. Uh, but just my back, uh, is like my legs, for instance, my left leg is a bit stronger than my right and I can feel it, but it's, it's the difference of like how tough the last couple reps are is kind of where I'm at. So like if I'm doing single arm cable rows, you know, I can feel it in. So like, let's say I get like 10 reps out of my right. I do like nine reps and I'm about to fail 10, even though I got 10, no problem. My right side, that's kind of how it feels for me. It's, I can lift the same weight. It's just the difficulty of it is going to be a little bit different and that's going to happen. Um, and then single arm cable rows also target a lot of your core too, because you have to keep your body straight. Uh, you have to keep your chest straight. You have to keep it parallel to the movement where if you're doing, you know, two arm cable rows of some sort, uh, you don't have to worry about that because both sides are working. So for me, the way I do it is, um, I kind of round out my back a little bit and kind of lean into the movement. So it's a, let's say I'm doing the right side, I'll stretch it all the way out and let my hand go parallel to the ground. And then when I contract, I'll, I'll stretch my back, back out keep my hip kind of flexed and then make it so that my hands parallel or perpendicular to the ground. And then I squeeze my outer lat and then I stretch it back out with my hip still kind of flexed in. And then I squeeze it back in. And a lot of times something that'll help with your back too, is if you can reach it is touch whatever you're working on. So like I'm doing it freaking right now without even realizing it, I'm touching the lat as I'm doing it with no weight and I could feel well, that's that's also a stability thing when you do any kind of single arm movements like yeah. for me uh, this is not back but when i do a uh single arm um lat raise I, i'm holding the bottom of my lat when i do that and that's just a stability thing um yeah. but <clears throat> it'll uh yeah and i try i did my best to hold in my laughter but uh <laughs> 
you say it's activating core? Sounds like a time for my belt. <laughs> yeah, God, no. Uh, just because activating your core does not mean you grab your belt. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anytime I do anything that's core. And you said core is huh. everything. So therefore I, <laughs> therefore, I wear my belt during cardio. <laughs> Standing curls, it activates my core. I'm wearing my belt. I'm got my shoelace. For, for, for a rule of thumb, since we're talking about back, and I know I mentioned it earlier, but if any other muscle movement you're doing activates your lower back you are doing that movement wrong (laughs) like if if you are benching and somehow feel it in your lower back you are doing it wrong (laughs) somehow you're doing a bench wrong wrong. yeah (laughs) you're doing it very wrong it's that should not be happening um yeah your lower back the only times it should ever really activate by accident is back movements and leg movements really that's just about it um but yeah, that's how I do my single arm cable rows, at least. I don't really focus a lot on dumbbell rows. I'm not the biggest fan of dumbbell rows. Uh, personally, my body just doesn't, doesn't ergonomically agree with it that much. Just like you said you don't like dumbbell rows, you said? Yes. I'm, I'm not the, like, I don't trash on them. They're amazing. It's just for me, they don't work as well as, you know, barbell rows or mm-hmm. chest supported rows or something like that. It's just not my biggest, I'm not the biggest fan of it um dumbbells i do a lot of work with dumbbells just specifically just not on back really um but that's just me and a lot of a lot of my movements as far as so for chest back and legs a lot of my movements really are end up being focused on so like back is a lot of cable work i do a lot of cable work and then legs is a lot of machine work for the most part um some free weight obviously you can't really do i mean as, as a guy you can't really do much with cables really the only thing you can do with cables is like for legs is like kickbacks and you know abductor movements or adductor movements that's about it but i don't really bother with that i do a lot of machine work and a little bit of free weight um but back has a lot of cables and a couple machines and a couple free weights just not dumbbells but like dumbbells have their place i do a lot of dumbbell work with shoulders i do a lot of dumbbell work with biceps so that's just how my body works, at least ergonomically. It's just back just really agrees with cables and it really agrees with machinery. Um, I do some free weight here and there. Um, it might be rack pulls or maybe maybe reverse grip uh, rows, but that's about it. Just because ch- I think chest supported rows have a better place within hypertrophy than barbell rows do. That's just my opinion. Uh, that's just what I've noticed is that I can get a lot more out of a machine row than I can out of a barbell row. And it's also just better for your, for your overall joints and your, your bones and all of that to do something chest supported. That's just my opinion. But, and as is plates, like the T-bar rows you have, phenomenal movement. Uh, oh, yeah. Underhand or overhand barbell rows are amazing movements. It's just, I don't typically target it too much just because there's other movements I feel that I respond better to. So you got to listen to your body and res- listen to how your body responds to different movements after some consistency. I mean, you should be doing the same movements for like eight to 12 weeks and then change out a movement and be like, okay, I've noticed this difference now and I've noticed this difference. But then again, this also requires stick sticking to a strict meal plan, sticking to good sleep and all of that to really start noticing differences when you are lifting differently. Uh, that's something to take into account too. So uh, you want to be consistent with all of your movements and progressively overloading. For me, for working back, um, there's one exercise that a lot of people really do and love it. And I will absolutely preach it. It's just like you said, one of those things that just doesn't 
you know, agree with your body. Um, rear flies, uh, for, like a machine rear fly. Um, for, for rear delts? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, you could even target it into your into your upper lats. Not yeah, really. We just the your, interior. Your well, that's more rhomboids. Yeah, rhomboids. Yeah. Um, they can do that so, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's something that a lot of people like to do for back. And I preach it because I think that you can get a lot of individual muscle definition from doing that because of how you are tightening and contracting at the top of the rep. But it's just something for me that just doesn't I, – I cannot reach – where i need to be getting for that particular um set um sorry not set for that movement um like you said it just doesn't some exercises just don't agree and that's where once again it comes into play when paul and i talk about all this stuff on this podcast you can test out every single one and if 90 percent of them work and then 10 percent of them don't don't keep trying the 10 percent because mm-hmm. get yourself to a point where maybe those will work in the future. Don't just push through it, even if your body doesn't agree with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta test and see what works for you at the end of the day. And that's, that's very important. Um, back is very, very subjective. Um, what works and what doesn't, uh, I know someone who, who's back very much agrees with dumbbell movements, dumbbell rows, inclined dumbbell rows, stuff like that. And I just don't get the same movements. I mean, I'm doing, if I do incline dumbbell rows, I feel like I'm just fucking wasting my time. It's just like, I, 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 it's like either the weight is super easy and super light for me to lift, or it's like, I can't get a rep. It's just the way my body's built. It just doesn't agree with it. Um, one thing I love to do is I love Smith rows, but the problem with a lot of Smith machines is that the, the stopper at the very bottom is not low enough four rows and that's really fucking frustrating because i want to get down to my lower than my kneecap but like the stopper will have it like above my kneecap and that drives me fucking nuts so that's a problem that i have uh if your smith machine goes a lot lower then that's great i think smith machine barbell rows are amazing um you can really you know focus on just pulling the weight and focusing on contracting and stretching versus having to balance the bar on like free weight or free weight you have to balance the bar and balance your grip and all of that uh that's why i love the barbell rows but smith machines are just they're all so built differently it's just so fucking frustrating sometimes and it's like i don't understand why they stop so high like the the smith machines at the golds i go to the stopper is so high up that you can't do rows you have to grab like a bench or something to stand on to do fucking rows i'm like why like why is this stop two feet three feet off the fucking ground like, can we do like a foot? At least that way it won't crush you if you're underneath it. But like, hmm. I don't know. I like, it, it's just, to me, it's like, it gets really frustrating. So I don't really typically bother with a Smith machine unless I know that it goes all the way down to where I want it to go. Um, but I think Smith machine barbell rows are amazing, which I know is part of your program right now, but I think they're really, really good, especially underhand. Yeah. For this past week, like I hit back yesterday, um, we're still in the New Year's rush, and Empire actually got slammed pretty good with the, with the New Year's rush. I was talking with yeah. Megan, one of the girls that works there, and she said that uh, 19 people joined. And so on top of the normal crowd that's really? there, it's a, it's a lot of people. Yeah, it was. I, I, did, Wait, I was 19? very surprised. That doesn't sound like a lot. So it's not a lot when you consider it over a 24-hour span, but most people are going – 
during you know gym rush, which is between is six and eight. Name? Between six and eight is a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, See, 19, that's also it, my experience. Um, yeah, nineteen at once is one thing. Nineteen throughout the day, I don't know. I'm just yeah, like, hey, but it's but, it's it's focused in because that's when people are getting off work or whatever. But yeah, my my New Year's rush is finally fucking over. They're all gone now, which is awesome. Yeah, but, proceed, but the, uh, the yeah the point being is that uh, like Paul mentioned in my plan, I'm supposed to be doing Smith Machine bent over rows, and yesterday there was a group of you know i think it was three gals who if if a <laughs> this has nothing to do no no biases it, there is a lot more that they can do on a smith machine but when a group of girls goes to a smith machine you can kiss that thing goodbye for the next half hour to 45 minutes <laughs> and that's yeah. just a combination of them having so many different exercises they do on a smith machine and also the fact that they there's just a lot more time taken during that time um, so I saw that happen. I knew I actually texted my coach mid lift and I was like, Hey man, I am not going to be able to do Smith machine things because we only have one Smith machine at empire. And yeah. he said, yeah, that's fine. Substitute it for regular barbell, um, plate yeah. loaded, go over and like, go, you have a mirror there, make sure you're doing it. Um, and of course I did end up like, I talked to Paul before we started recording that, um, I didn't think my form was all that great and I activated it more like a shoulder shrug. So for next week when I go back into it, I know that I have to adjust and, um, you know, move on from there. But I was not able to activate it with the Smith machine, which frustrated me a little bit because the Smith machine does. I know we have our, our you know, our arguments against Smith machine for some for a variety of different purposes. But one thing it does do really well is provide that stability. And when you're first coming into a new exercise like i don't do a lot of barbell rows i've done or bent over barbell rows i do bent over dumbbell rows but that's an entirely different thing especially when you're thinking about what your grip you're using so moving into a barbell one i really wanted to utilize that smith machine for the first couple weeks of doing it so then i could really get the movement down and that wasn't possible so I'm hoping that next week when I get into my back day, I'm able to utilize that. But for any kind of movement that we talk about, I recommend if it's your first time ever doing it, finding either a machine or Smith machine or cable version of it before doing a free weight version, just because you want, like we've talked about with deadlifts, you want to get the form right before anything else, before you can add any kind of serious weight, you got to get the form right. And that's where these essentially assistive technology comes in to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was something that I, I, my, my coach mentioned to me, he's like, I need you to be consistent on the movements. And I'm like, believe me, I want to be consistent on these movements. But when, with the new year's rush, I'm like, it's so fucking crazy sometimes. Like my leg day two weeks ago, uh, cause my leg day last week I hit at the new gym, but two weeks ago. I was doing like day and I was going to do a fifth movement. So I usually do about five or six movements at the max. And I was going to do a fifth movement, which was leg curls. Uh, and then I was going to call it a day. I was going to finish off with leg curls. Uh, I looked at the leg curl machines. Every single one of them was being used. I'm like, are you fucking see-? like so many leg machines weren't being used, but every single leg curl machine, which is three of them, all three of them were being used. I'm like, fuck it. I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm not going to wait for this shit. Cause this is my last movement. And I'm done. I'm like, I'm already pretty toast. I was just going to squeeze out every bit I had left in light, in light curls. But I'm like, I'm fucking over it. I'm so done with waiting. Um, the the Like we said in our news resolution episode is 
respect. I have respect for anybody who wants to make differences or make changes in their life. Great. Absolutely. The problem is, yeah. is the people who most likely know they're not going to stick with it, but they're going to try, but then just leave. And it's like, you're, if you're, if you know, you're not going to be able to do it and you're not going to put in the effort to, to keep consistent with it, you're just wasting everybody's time. And that was the problem that I had was that like, I'm like, I don't even know if these people are going to be fucking here in a week. Hmm. And like, I have to cut my leg day short. Not that I had to, I could have done other things, but like, I just got frustrated because I'm like, I have one movement left. They've been open this entire time. And now they're going to do it. They're fucking gone. Like they're all being used. I'm like, this is frustrating. So I told them, I was like, yeah, I know. I, I know I need to be consistent. I get that 100%. I'm on board. It's just, I was like, it's going to be easier with New Year's, like New Year's kind of dying, dying down a bit and which has died down a lot. I noticed that the other day I was at Gold's for um, Friday's let arm day and I was fucking pretty much dead in comparison to what it used to be. So it's it's pretty much over at this point, which is typically what ends up happening two or three weeks into January is when you start seeing a lot less people. Um, you start seeing the regulars again. Um, so now that that's gone, I could be a bit more consistent. But one thing that you mentioned that I'm glad you mentioned was uh, when you're doing a movement and let's say it is being occupied or something like that, doing a different variation of it will still kind of complete your day. It'll, it'll still target the same muscles. It'll start work. It'll work the same. The only difference is that you don't know whether or not you got progressive overload, but if you have hit that movement in the past, then just look back at what you did last time and be like, okay, this was three weeks ago. I'm probably a little bit stronger. Let's go up. Like, let's say it's pin loaded machine. Let's go up like two more pins on each movement and see how we see how it is. That's how I do it. Um, my, the app that I use, um, which is rep count, um, what I'm able to do is I'm able to create movements within the app. And when I need to change out the movement, I can say, okay, for this workout, I'm going to change out this movement and replace it with something else. And when I replace it, it loads up my previously used reps and sets so that I can see it and be like, okay, this is what I did last time. So now I can change out these numbers to hit it this way. So, um, I really like that app. Uh, no diss on any other app. It's just for me, rep count works the best. I also pay the five bucks a month or whatever it is for the graphs and like the one rep max tracking and everything like that. So I can actually look at my progressive overload for specific movements over time, um, which is really, really good. And you can also, I can also export all of my weights and movements as a CSV, which is a um, Excel file or a Google Sheets file. But um, it's, replacing it with something that's similar is not going to necessarily hurt you. Uh, it's not the end of the world, but if you like cutting it out, that's when it kind of hurts you. You know, I cut out the ham at the, you know, the leg curls at the end of the day because I got frustrated, but like, let's say, you know, I wanted to do leg curls on my third movement and they're all being used. I'll just go do something else. I go do the next movement, you know, and do push those towards the end. So, um, you know, that's also why sometimes I'm not consistent is because, you know, let's say it's like the one preacher curl machine at Gold's. I'm like, okay, it's being used right now. I'll use it later. I'll do another movement. And then I'll look back. It's still being used by somebody else. Then I'll do another movement. I'll look back, still being used. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not even doing it. I'm just going to go home because <laughs> I'm like, it's being used this entire time and I've been waiting and somebody else takes it right when that other person gets up. I'm fucking over it. So that's why I cut out movements sometimes, but you shouldn't be doing that. It's just something that for me, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm fucking done dealing with it. I'm done getting upset about it. I'm just going to go home and, or do go do cardio or something and call it a day. Um, it's your burning bush moment. 
Yeah, I just that's the message. Burning bush. Don't do it. Yeah, I I tell my coach I rage quit. Like when I like part of my notes that day when I when I didn't do the leg curls, I was like all the leg curl. I was going to finish off with leg curls, but all of them were being used, and it was their their first set from what I can tell. And I just rage quit. I'm like I'm not waiting for leg curl machine, you know, for three sets that I'm probably not even going to be really like doing the craziest amount for, you know. So I just called it. but it's it can be frustrating. I can understand if it's frustrating if somebody's using a machine, you know, for they're all being used. Like there's this dude the other day, I was doing chess last week at Gold's and fucking somebody was using a barbell bench with dumbbells. I'm like, bro, that's not what it's for. There's a bar <laughs> on the bench. No. Like, stop. Like do it on the fucking floor or something. Like, or wait. Or do a machine. Like that bench is for barbell bench presses. I was gonna use that machine, but now I can't. Because no other option is there. There's no other option for me to like. I can't grab a bar and go do it on a regular bench. That's not how that works. You have to have you have to be able to rack the weight. But he's using dumbbells when you can use literally like anything else. <laughs> See now you got now you have the image in my head of you just walking walking over with a bar going into a regular bench in front of like the mirrors and everything where all the free weights are and just going to town and when you're done with it just launching it behind your head <laughs> yeah just drop it right behind me like skull crushers or something <laughs> and then walk around with your invisible laps <laughs> yeah just spread out my arms like a little bitch <laughs> yeah that's that would be that would be funny but it's just i'm just fucking i'm just like the, the dude was a regular i've seen him plenty of times where i'm like why like there's no reason to be using that for that like do not use dumbbells on a barbell bench press machine like on the bench i mean like that's so pointless um so it's just it gets frustrating um when you have to deal with stuff like that i'll say that for back especially um back is kind of versatile in the sense that if for example we talked about um seated rows for example and how that's targeting the middle of your back hypothetically if like empire for example has two seated row uh machines a third if you kind of format it weird um if all of them were taken you could just go do a, a free weight version and just target it with where you're driving your elbow like yeah your your a- back's one of the ones where since it's such a big muscle group the machines or setups that you use to target muscle groups can be achieved doing other things as well yeah. so that's one of the things that makes back day so enjoyable for me is that um, if something's taken, I can just go do something else. Like I mentioned how the ladies were, you know, gangbanging the fucking uh, Smith machine. So I'm going to go over to a free barbell and just do my work that. And if the ladies were gangbanging the Smith machine and some dudes were pounding a, a barbell, I could go to the free weights and do bent over rows with dumbbells. So there's a lot of versatility that you can do when you're trying to hit back which makes it a really enjoyable muscle group to hit um and on top of that you're able to this is me personally i feel like i'm able to burn out my the muscles in my back a lot more or a lot more efficiently than a different muscle like for me it's easy for me to do arms it's hard for me to do chest but back is one of the ones where i know that i can get a really good workout in every single time I try and hit back because of my knowledge of the gym and being able to do, you know, the alternate exercises um, Mm -hmm. and really focusing on contraction. So that obviously comes with mind muscle connection. So um, you might not have this ability, um, but once you spend 
some time in the gym, like get a year under your belt, you're going to be able to really enjoy your lifts when it comes to, uh, and again, everybody has their own muscle groups. I just tend to enjoy back more. Yeah. Back's one of my favorite days as well. Um, one thing I want to mention that what you said was um, sometimes the machines aren't in, as interchangeable as, as you want them to be. So sometimes, mm. you know, a row machine, one row machine can be completely different than another row machine. It just depends on what the machine is targeting specifically. Um, you know, there's high row machines, even low row machines. There's, uh, you know, wide grip, low row machines that have completely different, like grip attachments, like the way the actual grip is worked. It's, it targets differently. So be careful with machines as far as interchangeability. But if you're going to use a machine for something and then it's being occupied, there is a barbell cable or dumbbell alternation probably that you can do, especially for back. There's a, there's a definitely a free weight or cable version that you can do instead of the machine. Um, but you don't want to do a completely different movement. You know, there's uh, thinking about, you know, the goals I go to, there's a low row machine I use most of my back days, but I can't, if it's being used, I can't replace that with a high row machine because that's going to target my lats completely differently. Uh, even though it's still a row machine, it's going to target differently. So, uh, you know, alternate it or switch it out for something that's equivalent. Uh, so if somebody's using a low row machine, what I could do is go do like underhand barbell rows or go do like single arm cable rows where I'm leaning further back or something. Or you can even do like 45 degree reverse grip lat pull downs, which is also really good low, lower lat movement. You lean further back at a 45 degree angle. It's, you're leaning pretty far back. You do reverse grip and then you pull the uh, bar to your upper abs. Uh, that's going to target your lower lats. So like there's different variations of movements that you can do instead of something that's being occupied. Uh, if every single dumbbell is being used for like lateral raises, go use a lateral raise machine if that's not being used or go do cable lateral raises, you know, something like that. You know, there's going to be a different variation. Obviously, you got to keep track of the weights properly. But I think that's why I like apps like mine that allows me to change out the movements and create my own in there uh, because I know what it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that like, you know, somebody else can use it. Like if I said um, X cross triceps, I know what that is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know what it is. So like, I'm not going to tell people to put in what I put in, but for me, I'm like, okay, so this is what I did last time. And my notes say X, Y, and Z. So clearly I need to adjust it accordingly to this or whatever. So uh, that's just something to take into account is that uh, when you're logging your reps and you're logging your weights and all of that, just use whatever is ideal for you to keep track of whatever you're going to be doing in the future. You know, that could be a, an Excel file on your phone. That could be a notebook. That could be, you know, an app on your phone. Um, I just also recommend that you log everything. You know, I used to just remember and I had a general idea of where I was at last time, but if you're doing, I mean, fucking chest flies and you don't hit it for another week, like you barely remember, like you could have amazing memory. You could barely remember what you did. Like, do you really remember how that set went? Like in exactly what weight, exactly what reps and how you squeezed it out and exactly how it went. Like, you probably don't remember that. You might remember the weight maybe, but that's about it. Uh, so log it, just, just take the second to log it. It sucks. I hate logging weight and reps and stuff. It takes me away from the movement. It takes me my mind out of whatever I'm doing, but it, it keeps you consistent. It keeps you doing progressive overload. So something to take into account. Um, and then if you're working with a coach, just ask him, be like, yo, can I send you my work? Like, even if he's not asking you or she's not asking you to do it, just be like, Hey, I wish I asked this sooner. I said, Hey, can, I wish I'd have asked, can I send my weights and movements and stuff and see what you think? 
And, you know, if you, if you have any uh, recommendations on how to change it out, then let me know. Um, that's exactly what a coach is for. My coach doesn't necessarily write my workouts for me. Um, he trusts that I know what I'm doing when it comes to lifting. He just makes suggestions here and there. Uh, you know, he even sent when an athlete of his moved to Charlotte, he said, Hey, go lift with Paul. He's pretty, he knows what he's doing. He works out really hard. Just go lift with him. So, uh, you know, that's going to come with experience. It's coming, come, going to come with knowledge. Um, but taking those videos and watching your form and stuff like that, especially if you lift alone is very important. Uh, lifting alone. I've lifted alone pretty much my entire life for the most part. Um, I've had training partners here and there, but nothing consistent for the long term. And so I know what it's like lifting alone and what you have, to, like different struggles you have and different problems that you have. And one of them is form. And because nobody tells me if my form's wrong, nobody tells me, tells me if something's uneven. So take those videos, you know, there's an app that I use. Let me check my phone real quick. There's an app that I use um, called Iron Path. If you have iPhone, it's probably on Android too. I have iPhone, I used to have Android. Um, it's probably on Android, it's called Iron Path. What that's gonna do is when you take a video of let's say like squats or deadlifts or something, anything with a bar, you set up your phone so that it's watching the bar. And what you do in the app is you, lo you load up the video, you put where the center of the plate is. And what that's gonna do is gonna trace a line right where the bar is moving. So that's gonna give you an idea of what your form looks like. Um, I can see in the video how my form looks in deadlifts. It looks fine. But when I watch the video, I'm like, okay, I went a little heavy on this. So therefore the shape of the line, the path of the line is going to be a little more oval because I went further out when I went down and pulled it further in when I went up. It's just the way it, it went because I went too heavy. Uh, ideally, what you want to do is you want to get that path as straight as possible. So that's one way of knowing whether or not you properly lifted that weight. So log your weights, take videos. Talk to your coach if you have one. Talk to a friend if they know what they're doing. Uh, stuff like that. Even get spots uh, as well, especially with back. Back is very, very important for spots, especially in machine. Um, not that they can help you lift the weight up, but if they can poke your back where you're targeting or give you pointers on what you're doing wrong, um, you know, the most advanced lifters still can use, use pointers, you know? Um, Nick Walker is training with, I think, Sarkev right now. Uh, no, 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 not Sarkev, Matt Jansen, right? Matt Jansen, I think he's in Vegas with Matt right now, lifting and getting ready for the Arnold. And 100%, he has people telling him what to do in the gym, even though he's one of the biggest bodybuilders out there. I mean, we can all use advice from people. And, you know, I've said this to you, Christoph, a million times. My lessons learned is your knowledge gained. And one thing I can for sure say is that if there's a big dude in the gym or a dude that clearly knows what he's doing. Just ask and be like, Hey, can you take it? Can you watch my set or can you record for me? I just want to see how it looks. And nine times out of 10 grant almost guaranteed. They're going to be like, absolutely, man, not a problem. So we're all in the same boat here and we all want to, we all want the same general goals here. So uh, if you're doing a movement that you're not hundred percent confident in, just ask someone, Hey, can you just watch my form and see what it looks like? Even if there's a personal trainer at your gym, that's not doing anything, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to interrupt them if they're working with a client, but like if they're sitting at a computer or something, be like, Hey, you know, I hate to bother you. Can you just watch this set for me? I'm not sure if I'm hitting it properly. Um, you know, it's new for me. I just want to see what you think of, of it, you know, and they'll give you pointers. So, uh, you know, asking for that help and really making sure that you're getting everything out of the sets you can will, will go a long way in the long term, and it'll help a lot. You know, so something to keep in mind. I had someone stop me in my last leg day um, 
in between sets and just ask me how the fuck a vertical leg press works. <laughs> it's so and weird. Like, yeah. but, but that's the thing, like, uh, like legs are the one thing that I take pride in because I have, you know, decent size and great definition in, uh, in my legs. And like, I, I take pride in that. So then when someone comes up and goes, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's just, it's, it's a very nice yeah. moment to have. Um, yeah. And when we talk about our logs, Paul and I's logs probably look like a Madden playbook at this point with all the <laughs> different yeah. words that we're using. Yeah. Like even when, <laughs> even when Paul sends them to me, I'm like, Hey, what's the audible? What, like, what, what are you talking about here? Um, yeah. But that's, that's, logging is going to be very specific between you and your coach if you have one so yeah um don't take someone else's log as as um gospel um yeah. i do, i do want to end us with the uh one back movement we haven't talked about yet uh and it's in a video i sent you but it's the hexagon uh <laughs> hexagon or sorry hex bar uh plate loaded deadlift skateboard kickflip that i oh, <laughs> sent geez. you i remember that now. And, <laughs> that is the ultimate back move <laughs> for those who don't know it's a meme it's this guy who does uh just he has a gym in his garage he does a whole bunch of weird deadlifts and he did one where he he did a, a hex bar um deadlift with a chain around his neck and at the top of the uh rep he did a kickflip on a skateboard and landed it <laughs> so there, there's really goofy things, but that's the ultimate back exercise. If you do that, you will have back boobs within a week. <laughs> that's so dumb, but it's such a flex. If you do that, that's such a flex. <laughs> such an unnecessary flex, too. Like, yeah, it's so, you, you, you could show that off to, like, a hundred people and maybe five of them will care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no – you don't really gain anything from it, but it's just definitely, like – this is something I can do. <laughs> it adds it adds to your riz. That's the, yeah, that's yeah, you, what it uh, does. yeah. It adds a whole nother degree to your to your riz for sure. They call me the back rizzler. <laughs> I'm the I'm the rizzler. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, with that, I hope you guys uh, took something out of today's uh, back talk. And as always, if there's something that you want us to elaborate more on, if you have questions about what we uh, discussed and overall just want to give feedback uh we have our email that you can send emails to which is hgh at uh was it hgh at hghpodcast.com something like that hgh at hghcast.com is our email so uh shoot us emails for questions and all of that once we build up enough questions maybe we'll uh do a whole episode dedicated to it uh i think that'd be very fun uh, if you guys wanted to hear us talk about a specific topic, um, you know, answer a specific question for you, we can address it on the podcast. So that'd be that'd be very entertaining, I think. And we have a caller, Jamie. Can you plug them in? <laughs> yeah. Jamie, can you pull that up real quick? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, guys, keep on lifting and keep doing you. And we will see you next week with our brand new episode. Yeah, see you guys. All right. Bye, everybody.